Hawkeye fans, let's talk about health and performance optimization for a moment. Our sponsor, Ascent Nutrition, offers amazing products. It's actually owned by former Iowa graduate Shuttler. Now, I've decided to partner with Ascent Nutrition because of their unique approach to human health. Ascent offers an organically grown mold and mycotoxin-free coffee. It provides a pure, clean, and rich flavor without those pesticides that most coffees are treated with. They also offer an algae oil DHA, which is used to support brain health, memory, and focus, as well as proper nervous system development in adults, children, athletes, and even pets. Now, lastly, their unique crafted wild pine pollen is used to support cardiovascular health, hormonal function, and a healthy libido. Your purchase not only supports this channel, but the business of a former Hawkeye. Visit GoAscentNutrition.com or click the link in the description below and use the code Hawkeyes. That's the code Hawkeyes to receive 15% off your total order from Ascent Nutrition. Iowa Floor Covering, a locally owned flooring store in Bondurant, Iowa that specializes in do-it-yourself projects. If you're a contractor or a DIYer, Iowa Floor Covering has your back. Right now at Iowa Floor Covering, get tough core click together 4.5 millimeter waterproof vinyl flooring for $269 per foot when you install it yourself. That's a much better value than you'll find at any of the big box stores. Looking for other types of flooring? They can help with that too. Between their exceptional product knowledge and commitment to customer service, the guys at Iowa Floor Covering will provide everything you need to complete your DIY flooring project. So what are you waiting for? Skip the box stores now and visit iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. That's iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. Promotional pricing only available with self-installation. Man Cave Kinnick Under the Kitchen, authentic, original player art prints are being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. From Under the Kitchen's Murray Legacy print, which features former Hawkeye Kenyon Murray, current Hawkeye Chris Murray, and current Sacramento King Keegan Murray, to football players Lucas Van Ness, Tori Taylor, and Cooper DeGene, to wrestlers Tony Cassiope, Alex Marinelli, and Real Woods. Oh, and only one of the greatest athletes to ever compete at Iowa, Spencer Lee. There are so many options available, and they make great gifts. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. It's underthekitchen.square.site. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. Well, good evening, Hawkeye Nation, Iowa fans across the interweb. This is going to be a show this afternoon where I let you do a lot of the talking, and I'm happy to provide some thought. But uh, I'll be honest, uh, I, I didn't expect a whole lot from this press conference today. I don't think a lot of people did. But I think when the reality sets in that... Um, Everything you expected to have happen is exactly what's happening. I, I think that uh, naturally is going to ignite some pretty strong levels of frustration, um, perhaps some apathy. And uh, I'm here to share in you with that because uh, I am an Iowa fan. I'm a Hawkeye fan. I, I do this show and I enjoy doing this show. We have postgame coverage with Coach Don Patterson during the season. Of course, we do stuff for Iowa men's basketball with Coach Gary Close following each game. But um, I'm not just here 
from a business perspective. I'm here for, because I'm an Iowa fan. And the reason I wanted to to start with our sponsors, a couple of reasons. A, I appreciate our sponsors. That's the first part. Second part is, if it wasn't for you watching this show and all of our supporters, plus our sponsors, I wouldn't be here. And I wouldn't continue to do this because I don't enjoy having the same conversation over and 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 over again. I don't. I just don't. Maybe some of you enjoy listening to it. I don't like talking about it. All right. I'd much rather. Well, let's not even get into hypotheticals because I guess there's no real point to that. So we're going to spend the better part of the next, I don't know, couple hours talking about this. I'll, I'll let people sound off. I, I know there's frustration. I'm happy to talk about Grant Leaper. You know, I don't want to take away from um, the class that signed today. And of course, it was a small class, kind of a formality, because you have most of the kids that are part of the 23 class enroll, or not enrolling, but signing back in December. You have Grant Leaper from, um, what was he from? From the Midwest, right? Indiana, I believe, right? He's an Indiana kid, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he signed today. Congratulations to Grant. So we can talk about the class. Rusty Feth is a transfer guy that uh, is now official. Uh, he'll have a year left, and Iowa needs him um, up front. But as it relates to the announcement today that, uh, according to Kirk Ferentz, he expects Brian Ferentz to return, and he expects no changes. Uh, that includes, of course, questions about Iowa's offensive line coach, George Barnett, Iowa's wide receivers coach, Kelton Copeland. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we'll go from there. Let's, we, we've got the phone line open folks. All right. So a couple ways to interact and, and sound off, if you will, um, you can either click the link in the description below. All right. I'll, uh, I'll throw this up in the, the uh, bottom ticker here for everybody. The phone number is 515-635-1601, 515-635-1601. We do have a caller on that line. So if you're interested in calling and sounding off, the best way to do that and not continue to have to call and call and call and wait for it to be uh, the line to be open, you can join by means of the link in the description below. We'll get to your comments in the chat as well, um, and we'll go from there. Let's take our first caller here at Hawkeye Hangout here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hey, Corey. Ryan from McGregor. Hey, Ryan. How are you? Uh, depressed like everybody else. Okay. Um, under, understood the press conference went exactly the way I thought it would. No surprises at all. Um, and I'm not even going to discuss it with you. Um, okay. I'm just going to control alt or delete that whole press conference because it was exactly what I thought. But I do, I did want to call you and I wanted to start off your show by going back and talking a little bit about a show you did recently with Mark voice of college football. And you began that show with something that I had never thought about before. And I thought it was very, very important. And actually when I heard you and Mark discuss it, it really put me at ease. And that is why I, I decided to call and try to get on early because I think that this, you, you guys might have hit on something really significant here that most fans aren't thinking about. Okay. 
And the thing that you and Mark were dialoguing, which really upset me, honestly, <laughs> was you were going through Iowa's 23 football schedule. And you were going game by game that they have upcoming. And you guys both were of the opinion that if things didn't change, Iowa would be a 10-2 and two type football team. And one of you, either you or Mark, said, and if we got a new offensive coordinator, maybe we'd be 11-1. and one. And immediately I thought, Kirk is not going to fire his son, who's paid almost a million dollars a year for one extra win. And I thought both you and Mark kind of shot us in the foot that day by saying that and going through the future schedule, because I don't really know that we're going to be 10-2. We hope we are, but we don't know that. So that's number one. So that's sort of a criticism, and I want to throw that out. But here was the intriguing part. You guys were talking about qualifications for Kirk to enter the Hall of Fame. And it had something to do with him needing 10 more wins in order to qualify for being a sort of ultra legacy coach, you know, on the same level with great coaches like Woody Hayes, Coach Fry even. And it had something to do with the number of wins this year that he would need to be eligible. Can you remember that conversation and clarify that up for me and maybe some of the other fans that may have not missed that segment of your show? Well, my understanding is a good question. First of all, my understanding, Ryan, of the College Football Hall of Fame is a coach has to have a 60, uh, 600 win percentage. And I, I had somebody tell me that uh, he was right below that when you include his record at Maine. Now, I went back and, and did some research on this and was not able to validate that that uh, claim. Uh, what the, the numbers that I found, and maybe those numbers are not, maybe I was just not looking in the right place. Numbers I looked at um were that Iowa or that Kirk was in the sixty six or the sixtieth percent not you know the sixtieth percentile I guess, uh, which would qualify him to my understanding. So I could be wrong on that. I guess I'm not a great authority on that, but he is he is in position for sure. All right, I can say with authority that if he if he wins, I believe ten games this year, he would most definitely be. Even if the the other claim that he's right below that threshold were true. With 10 wins, my understanding is he would be above the threshold. But again, I'm not a good uh, resource on that because that you know uh, my, the numbers didn't add up to the conversation I had with Mark. But it's a good question as it relates to your question about the record or your comment. I don't know that – just. I'm not trying to say you're wrong, Ryan, but frankly, um, I, I don't think Kirk's firing Brian if it meant four more wins. I really don't. Like, yeah, if, if I they, don't either. I mean – if they had eight and four, if it if it looked like an eight win season, and you know, and and Kirk was even if if somebody somehow convinced Kirk that hey Kirk we can win twelve games this year with a new OC and that's you know we're just guessing right, but even if that right. with an improved offense with a new scheme with a new coach with new right. with with a adjustment in the staff, if that was the claim, I still don't think Kirk would do it because he made very clear during his press conference and he's made very clear over the course of however many years now, especially over these last two, that the, <laughs> this is, and you listened to the show with Mark, so you know that exactly where I'm going here. The standard yeah. here is seven to nine games. 
seven to nine wins. Right, exactly. Well, that's what it is. And and, and, and Kirk keeps saying, here's what bothers me, and, and there's several things. Part of what bothers me is I listened to Kirk here a few minutes ago talk about how we don't really care what the numbers say. We just care about winning. We just care about winning. And, and yet there is no concern with winning, apparently. Uh, what's that? Yeah, I know. I've heard that over and over again from him. See, from, from a lot of his supporters, this year was a perfect season. This <laughs> well, was so was last year. So, so was the previous year because they won 10 games in spite I of mean, an that, awful that's offense. What they want. This is exactly what they want. They want to get to a bowl destination and beat an SEC team and not have to play anybody really good and and get a win, get paid, and all the fans go and everybody has a good old time. So really, from Iowa's point of view, that's what they want, and that you can see it in, in the in the history of, of Ferentz's whole tenure that that's what it's been. When they get to seven wins, I mean, the Star Tribune in Minneapolis actually published it. You know, when they got to seven wins, and they were playing a game in Minnesota, and and, and Ferentz was quoted in the paper up there saying the outcome of this game really didn't matter that much and i was in shock you know i mean first of all it's minnesota and second of all every game matters but that that is the goal it's sort of that way with basketball i mean get to the ncaa tournament just making the appearance is almost all that's expected and and ryan you know i've defended fran i'm a fran fan and i know people i am too and i am a kirk too but but i i I think what you just said i think what you just said is true and um, believe me, uh, I have defended Fran in the past, but if this team can't get over the hump and, and can't make the Sweet 16, my, my patience is going to dwindle as well. But I believe you're right when you say Iowa's patience will likely not dwindle. Now, Iowa's oh, in a no. slightly different, Iowa basketball's in a slightly different position because uh, A, you're not evaluating, well, I don't think I, I don't think Gary Barta and that football staff evaluate it this way either, but they're not evaluating individual units like you you know Iowa football you have the offensive yeah. coordinator you have the defensive coordinator you have the head coach with a basketball staff you have a staff and I don't think anybody's really assigned to coach defense per se so you either got to make changes at the top or no changes at all that's kind of how I look at the situation with Fran and the struggling defense and the inability to make it to the second weekend of the tournament but the bottom line is what you said is true I what I said is true I was concerned with seven to nine wins a year. And when Kirk says, well, as long as we're winning, he should have added yeah. seven to nine games a year. That's what he should have added. Right. And, you know, because you can claim, well, they won 10 games the previous year, which is true, right? And they did so with a pretty poor schedule. And frankly, the schedule this year was tougher because you had Ohio State and Michigan. That's why they only won eight games, but the West was still bad. And you know, USC and UCLA are coming in 2024. You know, the divisions are going to be different exactly. in 2024. So we understand all these factors. We, At least I have firm belief as to why the decision to continue to enable the situation here, whether you're talking about Kirk, Gary, whoever, the donors that are supporting it apparently, or we'll see if they support it, why that decision's going to go awry, in my opinion, or very likely could go awry. Um, but until it goes awry, it looks like we're just going to continue with our head down, plowing forward with what we have, and hope it works out. And if it if it backfires and Kirk's legacy is forever tarnished, we'll look back at days like today and say, 
Kirk, you did it to yourself. And right, as exactly. great of a guy as Kirk is, a wonderful human being, had conversations yeah. with him on multiple occasions. I still have respect for him as a person. I've lost a lot of respect for how he manages this football program. And if you don't like it, that's my opinion. You don't have to like it. But uh, I- I'm sick of it just like everybody else is. Well, I'm, I'm, I I understand it. I mean, he said one time at a press conference, Corey, that Iowa was very fortunate to have Iowa State, Iowa, and UNI all ranked, considering the talent pool we have to draw from. So there's that part of it that always tugs at my heart because I think Kirk is right in saying that. You know, we're we're not a talent-rich state, but we have great football players here. But we have two Power 5 teams in our state, and we only have 2.9 million people with UNI also you know, competing at a high level. that That's unreal. I mean, Ohio State and Penn State don't even have that competition in their own states, you know, <laughs> from anyone else. And we have it in Iowa. We have to draw from outside. So that that's why I feel really bad when Erica calls in and she says, well, why can't we be, you know, an elite team? Well, it's very difficult when you don't have a sufficient amount of elite talent within your own state border, like Alabama does or Ohio does or Pennsylvania does. Well, hold on a second, Ryan. Let me, let me, we have to share. Let, let me challenge Stop. you on that. Let me challenge you on that because Nebraska was a power in 1990. And I understand that times have changed and Nebraska as of right now is no longer a power and they still have this mindset that they can get back there. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but, you're, are you telling me that Nebraska's had elite talent within the state within the borders uh, that created that? No, uh, champion? they had drawn outside, but they had Tom Osborne who was able to, you know, recruit and Frank Solich who got ten wins and they weren't satisfied and fired them. So I mean, I understand that too, but also Nebraska didn't have a bowl game last year. I, so, I understand. I mean, you know, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I, all I'm saying is is that. If you got a coach that's doing a press conference and he's saying, but I'm not an illusionist, <laughs> which is almost like an excuse for, well, we can't recruit five-star athletes. Well, if you don't try, yeah, you can't. Exactly. Or if you don't want to, you won't. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always torn by this. And, and just, you know, so, like, I want everybody to hear what you just said, because when I use the term, as it relates to shooting at times, as it relates to complacency, when I use the the term defeat, having a defeatist attitude, that is what that yes. is. Right there. Exactly what you just said, Ryan. That's called having a defeatist attitude. Well, we're not going to try with this guy because he's probably going somewhere else. Or, you know, we're, 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 we're fortunate to be to seven to nine wins because, boy, we don't have much talent in the state and we're not, we can't compete with the Ohio State. That's called having a defeatist exactly. attitude. Excuse and mediocrity. Say, yeah, say, say what you want about Nebraska, and I, I get they've got fans that are kind of wild at times, and they've made some weird decisions that have run that program into the into the ground at times. But you cannot accuse them of having a defeatist attitude. Now, before you say, "Well, why no. don't you just go cover Nebraska then, Corey?" That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply talking about one aspect of that football program and that fan base that I do appreciate. And it's that they want to be great. And there is, n- I don't believe there's anything 
wrong with that. But there's no, it, it, it doesn't appear to be any desire within the confines of that athletic department and it, apparently within the big donors to be great. They're okay with being good, and that's that. Right, and th- that's why, like, I, I think I could ask Lemansky this. I always like Lemansky when he calls in. But here, here's what I would say to Lemansky if I was sitting with them and we were having a conversation. Look, you know, Kirk, Kirk has more wins than Hayden. Hayden is an unbelievably better coach than Kirk is. Why? Because Hayden played Oregon, Arizona State, UCLA, Oklahoma, Nebraska, you know, <laughs> quality teams. You know, Kirk is scheduling Arkansas State, North Dakota State, Maine. You know, they they have a cupcake schedule for their non-conference games. And the Big Ten West is not strong. And you get the seven wins, and what does that make it? It makes you bowl eligible, but it also means you're mediocre. And then you go to play somebody on the West Coast, and you're told, oh, our players can't adjust to the Pacific time zone. Well, they better start getting used to it because with USC and UCLA coming in, <laughs> they're going to mm-hmm. be dealing with it. And they better get, they better find a solution to that fast. But I'm sick of those excuses. And Coach Fry never made them. You're, and I remember when Coach Fry took the team down to Oklahoma and these guys lost and they were patting each other on the back because they played a good game. And Coach Fry said, no, you know, it's failure. You lost. Doesn't matter how good your opponent was. But Iowa has played up or down to the level of competition that they've scheduled. And this has been a problem also. And for that reason, I don't consider Kirk Ferentz is going to coach the same fry and, and never will be because he's, he's, he's scheduled cupcakes and bought victories. And I saw it as season ticket holder and I saw the fans cheering just as loud to kill the Maine Bears as they were the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I was actually cheering for Maine at the end of the day because I felt so bad that those players had gotten a paycheck for their university to get the crap kicked out of them. They had no chance of winning that game. And it was terrible. You know, it wasn't even a fair game. Um, I've always said, you know, Coach Fry used to schedule opponents where they were going to recruit and uh, and that was intelligent. And our recruiting base has shrunk instead of expanded. So I'm sorry, I'm talking too much, but I'm I'm just sort of frustrated. But here's what I'm really where I was going in the beginning before I've had my ADD moment here. But it ends up that I think Kirk's got one more year. I think I think they're all in at at going into the portal transfer nil. And everything for this year and this year particularly, because I think that 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 Mark or you were hitting on something with his legendary status for all the fame purposes. And after this year, they're all gone. Kirk will be gone. Brian will be gone. Gary Bart will be gone. And Iowa football is going to be in a rebuilding mode. And I predict that in a year. We'll see. But that's what I think is going to happen. I really do. I know a lot of people think Brian will be head coach. No, I do not think so. But um, I, I think that this is it. And I think that that's what he's trying to do. And 
that's why they're sort of all in on the transfer portal. That's what I think. Anyway, I'll hang up and let some other people rant. But thanks, Corey. Thank you, Ryan. This has been great. And I apologize to the fans out there if this seems harsh, but that's just what it, what I think it is, too. So, But go off either way. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate the call, sir. All right. Well, let's uh, let's truck along here, folks. Uh, we've got uh, the link. Uh, I'll throw it up in the uh, live chat again. Uh, the link is in the description below if you want to call in. Um, and you can also call in uh, by means of the phone line. Right now we got somebody on the phone line. But I'm going to throw the, the, the uh, StreamYard link up. Very simple to do that. Just have to basically log in with your Facebook and Google. Nobody gets that information. It's just be able to log into StreamYard and participate. So I just threw that up in the live chat. Of course, it's in the description. All right, let's get to our next caller here. Thank you for calling Hawkeye Hangout from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Lomansky, Corey. Lomansky. I I think you have, uh, don't you have uh, a backer for your phone line, or is that just one game only or one show only? Uh, you're you're talking about Iowa Smokehouse. They're proudly supporting the Iowa men's basketball post game show. So, uh, but I do. Well, appreciate, I threw. I, I guess do. I threw that out to them anyway. I'm kind of generous That's with good. your program. Well, they'll, they'll appreciate that. I the boys down in Iowa Smokehouse and Albia, they are sponsoring a lot of. They're they're uh, generously sponsoring our post game show and uh, being a big part of it through the rest of the season. So we do appreciate them. Thank you for giving them a shout out. Well, I want to tell you, we've never needed you more, Corey, for the 2023 season. So try not to be as frustrated as the fan base. And I think what your role is uh, not only appreciated, but it's good for perspective. And uh, Ryan from McGregor is not the only person with ADD. Um, I thought I was having it listening to the show in the car. I almost uh, pulled over to the side of the road, but... Uh, I'm going to focus on today's press conference to kind of go back and forth with you. Is that all right? Sure. Yeah, and we'll just kind of conference. dissect it sure. or our impressions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number one, uh, we have a pretty highly overpaid athletic director. Like, you know, we have accountability to our center who we moved from the defensive offensive line for, for one season. Uh, our accountability to athletic director for what he's getting paid is alarming. I hope we put some focus on our athletic director. Evidently, he, uh, listening to his, you know, I'm glad he came on. I'm glad he had the guts to least talk. But uh, I, don't, I don't understand, Corey, why our athletic director during COVID did not get in and talk to our football program. It sounds like, you know, he's decided he's going to get involved this year. Uh, hooray, Gary. I'm glad you're going to talk to the program that makes the most money and be more involved. I would think you'd been in the trenches during COVID to help the football program deal with unprecedented stress. Uh, man, that's just, just alarming to me. Uh, second point, and you don't have to talk about the first point. The second point is, did I hear wrong? Did he just throw down some insults or some 
to the guy that built the Iowa program that he left the cupboard bare and look what I've done for the Iowa program since I took over. And doesn't that mean a lot over 20 years? And that that's alarming to me that a guy with high character, Kirk Ferentz, the guy that gave him his start in college coaching, really as a uh, bringing him into the program out of Pennsylvania, started talking about, God, it was just junk here. And he, uh, what, he won one game and he talked about that at the press conference and look what he's done. And what does that have to do with the future? The third point is, thank goodness we have a fan base and, and, and your program, Corey and Mark Rogers, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the older side of the Iowa fandom. And I like to look back and the rear view mirror and relive those glory days, which is, is wonderful to even have that ability. Let's start looking ahead to 2024. What are we doing, Kirk? Looking back in your rearview mirror, how many times did he go back to the history of Iowa football? This is a whole new game. This is like going from checkers to chess. We've got, we've got people entering the conference, not just Maryland or Penn State. We got USC, UCLA. Look what USC did this year. I just. When did we stop looking forward with our athletic director and our coach? And I want to give it back to you because you have a good way of of dealing with today and moving forward and not being Lomansky and looking back, which is a dangerous, dangerous thing for an athletic director, a coach, or a fan like Lomansky to do too often. I will say this, Lomansky, uh, and first of all, you made great points. Um, the, the comment that Hayden Fry basically left the uh, cupboard bare. That has been stated on a number of occasions by a number of people. And uh, I'll be anxious. We're going to have Coach Don Patterson on the show here in the next uh, week or two, Lemansky. I can promise you that. And I've been promising. You know, We talked about that season wrap-up show a long time ago, and I've held off because I, I wanted to wait for some developments with the staff. And now that we've had this press conference, I think it's probably a good time to have him on. Um, I, I know he would vehemently refute the claim that Hayden Fry and that staff left the cupboards bare. All right. And uh, I don't need to give you evidence, specific uh, examples, but Kirk, uh, that staff benefited greatly from some of the players that uh, Hayden Fry and uh, Don Patterson and, and those guys left behind. I can and tell you that, you know, that Lemansky, you're an Iowa guy. You're much older than I am. Um, I, the comment on Gary Barta, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I, I don't really know that I have any more respect for Gary simply because he went up there and talked because, uh, it's the same thing we've heard over and over again. And basically in so many words stated that, uh, uh basically in so many words, Gary Barta stated that, uh, it is Kirk's decision and he's riding with Kirk's decision. There, there was no... I know he at one point said, uh, you know, I have the power as the AD to overrule a decision, but there was no... I, do you really believe that he would do that, Lomansky? Do, do you have any inkling to think that Gary Barta would step up to Kirk Ferentz and overrule a decision on his son? I don't. I would hope he would. I think well, that's his job is to sure. enforce accountability, fire the volleyball coach. Sure. Uh, by the way, let, let me let me. Uh, I want to give you a, a quote from Gary Bard. I thought this was humorous. Speaking on the qualifications of, and by the way, he he prompted this. 
he uh, he brought up how uh, when people say that Bryant's not qualified, uh, that that narrative is just frankly wrong. Gary Barta said this, and I quote, he grew up here. He played here. He played in this offense. So that qualifies him because he grew up here and he played here. So correct me if I'm wrong, Lemansky. If you grow up here, and I'm talking about you grow up in Iowa City, apparently, um, that apparently means you're qualified to um, lead charge of a Big Ten offense and apparently qualifies you to recruit across the country and uh, qualifies you to be able to call plays, uh, qualifies you to be able to uh, – I'm sure Brian has been a part of coaching decisions on that side of the ball – and playing here, how many guys have played here over the years? Does that mean we've got, I mean, how many hundreds of of players, of Iowa football players, have been a part of this program in the past? <laughs> like, on offense, let's just stick with offense. We're talking about the offensive coordinator position. We're talking hundreds of players. So because Brian's one of the few that actually grew up here and played here, apparently that makes him qualified. I just thought that was a, a humorous uh, note by Barta. And if you notice this, if you go back and watch that press conference, you probably picked it out, Lemansky. Iowa has an obsession, and I'm talking when I say Iowa, I'm talking Kirk and Gary, probably Brian too. They have an obsession with points per game. Have you noticed that? Like, and and sure, it's convenient, right? Why why bring up yards per game? And I I'm not going to have any debate. If anybody wants to call in and try to debate me about how points per game is the better formula than yards per whatever, you, you have that opinion, that's fine. Uh, we've said this, talked about this many times. We've talked to Coach Patterson. It's got to be a combination of both. There's a number of metrics you have to look at. And points per game is an easy cop-out when you have one of the most productive special teams units and one of the most productive defensive units in the country. It's a cop-out. And Kirk continuously brought up points per game. Gary continuously brought up points per game. Even though points per game has even, I mean, even points per game has proven, I saw somebody commented that here a few minutes ago, that uh, points per game-wise, Iowa's been awful. Thomas says uh, Hawkeye scoring was 40th. At 31.8 points per game in 2020, that was the COVID year. They were 99th last year. And I'm guessing Thomas, uh, with no reason to doubt his authenticity on this, I'm I'm guessing he grabbed this uh, from an official database. Thomas says, uh, uh, Ference's offensive coordinator in 2017, Iowa's season-ending total offense has been no higher than 87th nationally and has been 99th or lower in three of five seasons. I believe that information is accurate. But yet that's the most convenient narrative that Kirk and Gary can use or defense that they can use uh, in reference to retaining Brian and keeping the staff the way the staff is in place. And by the way, not only did we find out today that the plan is to bring Brian back and the plan is to bring everyone else back, we also found out today that there are no major overhauls with the scheme. Now, I know some people think it's laughable that we ever suggested it. But the whole reason we brought that up on a number of occasions is because it's clear to a lot of people that there needs to be big, big changes. And if you're going to continue with the coaching staff, I would think you would combat, you, you would counteract the shortcomings your staff has had with a change in philosophy, with a change in schematics. But what I was saying right now, Lemansky, is that this was purely personnel related, purely personnel. So Kirk brought up the wide receiver room. He brought up Charlie Jones. He brought up Keegan Johnson's injury. He brought up Brody Brecht and his unique situation with baseball. He brought up uh, the offensive line. He said, quote, they were forced to play guys who weren't yet ready, end quote. He brought up the uh, 
he brought up the quarterback position and actually kind of defended Spencer. So basically what he said is that it was the wide receiver room and especially the offensive line. And I, I didn't hear a single ounce of accountability um, for Brian, for the staff in general. He doubled down on the fact that he believes his staff is doing a really good job. In fact, when he was asked towards the end of the press conference, he was asked specifically about what his evaluation found as it relates to Brian Ferentz. He lumped Brian. Did you notice Lemansky? He lumped Brian and Phil Parker together, and he said, "I think they both did really well." Did you like that? <laughs> uh, I I've, I laughed after the press conference ended because I was trying to figure out. What do the performance of Phil Parker and Brian have in common? Say that again. I mean, I was trying to figure out when he lumped in Phil Parker in the same sentence with Brian and his evaluation of his coaching staff overall did a good job. What the similarities of performance were between Phil and Brian. I, I I thought I had a brain hemorrhage. He is evaluating it on a metric with a formula that is unknown to uh, anybody <laughs> that follows. I'm, I'm just there, there is no formula. He, he's evaluating the entire team based on wins. He's he's he is evaluating the entire state staff based on how many games they win. And and the one offensive metric that he kept bringing up, points per game, is not even a, purely an offensive metric. I saw somebody asked in the chat. Um, Steve says, I'm curious on the points per game stat. This has to be with defense and special teams added in. Yes, of course it is. Yes, it is. And I I know some people have argued, well, that doesn't make much of a difference. Well, again, you go back, especially in the Phil Parker era, and and look at how productive the defense and special, and and LeVar Woods, let's not discount LeVar Woods, how productive those two units have been. They score more points collectively than probably any other pair of special teams defensive units in the country. I would venture to say they've probably been top 10 I don't know, probably at least the last two to three years, at least. Um, I, I would be curious to go back and try to uh, actually find those those numbers and, and find that data. But I think, I think anybody with a decent memory of Iowa football in recent years would validate that. Um, so uh, the bottom line is uh, Kirk is using a formula and an evaluation process that is not it, that defies logic. In, in my opinion, it just completely defies logic as it relates to how you should be evaluating three separate units. Any other thoughts that you have about the news conference? I'm going to keep it specific to that. Oh, I got lots of thoughts, Lansky, but uh, that's why I'm on here for two hours. <laughs> well, they'll probably come out with other callers, and I want to get out of here and be respectful to Hawkeye fans who are some of the lowest, low, uh, most loyal in the country. I guess the other the other thing that uh, the comments out of Kirk from the Ohio Beans challenged by an Ohio State news person, some of his responses today, I will leave with this one that I can't leave alone. I don't ever remember my father, and I work for my father in a business, say publicly to his staff, well, my wife thinks this, and this is she's pretty smart, and this is her evaluation of what goes on. I don't know if that's, as a professional, when you've got a son hired in, a, in Iowa football, now we're going to talk about my wife and her support of the program. I, 
I just wish Kirk could come forward with something, you know, some accountability. You know, we're going to really got to look harder about our Iowa offense. And, you know, we just, I just wish he would acknowledge the shortcomings in a more public way. So at least we think it's in his brain. I, I just, it, it it's like be. he surrounds himself in a fort. It may not be, Lemansky. It's one of two things. Either Kirk is legitimately in denial. He actually believes, he actually believes that, uh, that the, 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 this entire staff is doing a terrific job and Brian is not at all to blame for the issues or he's just desperately trying to protect his son. And he's doing a pretty bad job of doing that if that's what his aim is. But uh, it's one of the two things. Perhaps he actually believes what he says. That, that's very possible. I don't think Kirk will, it would lie, but I think maybe, you know, when you're trying to protect your, your son, you're going to, again, you're going to use an argument that's, convenient and that could somehow you, you could reason somehow has legs. I, I believe it does not, but uh, it's one of those two options because logic is, is not on the table. The only support that the assistant coaches have is Gary Barda. You have to be pretty naive to think Phil Parker is going to bitch too loud or any of those assistants. So we got to pray to God that Gary Barda has sat down with Phil Parker and says, we're trying to fix this thing. Hang in there. Don't retire. Uh, and I'm going to get off the show out of respect for the other Hawkeye fans. And uh, I hope those conversations have had been had with Gary Bard and his assistants. And I'm, I was appalled. The worst thing I heard was now Gary Bard, Bard is going to be more involved with COVID occurring back then. I, I thought that was a bad comment by Gary Bard. Thanks for your fandom. Thanks for, for therapy. Thanks for being an Iowa fan of names, which can't be easy. And, uh, uh, my drinking volume might go up this year. I'm pretty certain of it. Have a, have a good show. Mansky, thank you for the super chat as well, sir. Mansky says in the super chat, he says, Corey, the fans never needed you more. We need you for our fandom. Let's get to our next caller. And then we got Chris on the line as well. Let's get to our first caller who's on the phone lines. Thank you for calling Hawkeye Hang out here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Yeah, this is Zach Moore. How's it going, Corey? I'm good, Zach. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for doing what you do. And I just want to have everybody uh, give you a like, uh, thumbs up today for the video. Thank you, sir. Appreciate stream. that. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that uh, post of like the uh, how Iowa finish, has finished uh, every year under Kirk. Have you? I've sent you to you on your Twitter. I don't know if you can bring that up for everybody. Uh, uh, let's see if I can bring that up for everybody. This is something that you sent to me on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yep. And I've shared, I've shared the numbers before, but we can go ahead and, uh, let me see if I can go ahead and throw these up on the, on the screen so we can know what we're talking about here. Well, well I, I just want to like bring it up how there's this one. And then, like, if you go and look at the one for defense in the la last five years, it's like outrage. It's completely outrageous how Kirk even uh, said that Brian and or even put Brian and Phil under the same category because under Phil, he's never been uh, worse than fourth in like the last five years or four years under the like the four things. I have it right here. One sec. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So here is uh, I'm 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 throwing it up on the the uh, the screen for everybody right now. Th these are. Uh, 
I, I, I see you screenshot of this. So these are accurate numbers. Um, this, these are, of course, total offensive numbers. And again, I just want to go as we look at these. Let's just remind ourselves that this is not the metric at all that Kirk looks to. He does not believe no. in yards per play whatsoever. So let me uh, I'll get rid of this current comment here. We'll get rid of the banner. And then we can uh, we can discuss this. All right, there there are the numbers. You're not going to be able to see me. I guess I can slide over. I'll slide over this side. All right. Yeah. So these these are the numbers, and uh, of course, uh, I, I thought it was funny. For, first of all, before you say what you have to say, Zach, uh, I'm glad you threw this to me because Gary uh, was it Gary that made a comment? I think it was Gary Barta that made a comment about how Iowa has never had under Curry, never had a top 30 offense. Did you catch that comment? Yes, I did. Well, 2002, even in yeah. total offense, which is supposed to be, um, you know, deflated <laughs> or maybe even inflated, I guess would be the right term. Um, they were in total offense. They were 13th in 2002. In total offense, they were 22nd in 2005. In total offense, they were 27th in 2006. So you, there you go. You had three years right there where Iowa was top 30, one of which they were top 15. Um, so now I don't know where they ranked yards, per, uh, points per game in those years, but I would guess that they were fairly high in each of those years. Yeah. And, uh, but if you look at the last five years of Brian, I mean, it's completely outrageous how bad we have been. And then he wants to say about Phil or bring talk about Phil, like, you know, about he's, they are both good, but Phil in the past, uh, Four, five years for points per game and Big Ten, they're number one. Yards per play, they're number one. Yards per carry, number one. Yards per completion, number one. Yards per attempt, number one. Interceptions, number one. Uh, defensive pass efficiency, number one. Takeaways per game, number one. And explosive plays, number one. But that's for the Big Ten. And under and for the FBS, they're number two, one, four, four, one, one, two, one, one in the past five years. That's just insane to have such a good defense and then on the other spectrum of the ball to be that bad you know what i mean it's just crazy yeah. and then he kirk wants to keep brian under like i don't know it's just I, I don't even know what to think of it because it's just outrageous it's crazy i don't know i i agree with everything you just said and uh those numbers i'm glad you you gave me those numbers because there's an opportunity to highlight what we've highlighted a number of times and even if you believe that total offense is not a good indicator you can see the drop off even, I mean, say what you want about Greg Davis coach teams, and I know they had their issues, um, and Greg Davis was a drop-off comparatively when you look at Ken O'Keefe's tenure here as well and, and his numbers. You could argue Greg Davis was more successful as the coordinator than, than Brian. And oh yeah, yeah, neither one of them were very good here. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just that, like, you have to take a step back and t ask yourself if, the game has just completely passed Kirk up. You know what I mean? If he's just, if it's just him, his time to go, like, I don't want to see it, but I mean, I'm sure half of Hawkeye nation doesn't want to see it, but I mean, the time's coming, I think, you know, you're not the only one that feels that way, Zach. I can tell you that. Yeah. But I just want to call and have you post those numbers for everybody, but I want to say thank you and keep up the good work. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate the call, sir. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, again, we've had three callers already, and I can sense the frustration, and and that's okay. That's what the show is for right now. 
uh, for people to be able to vent. I appreciate the super chat from I, I appreciate all the super chats, the donations. I know when people are upset, you're probably not in a real giving mood. It does help immensely. It's what supports this show along with our sponsors. So please continue to consider donating if you uh, are able. Of course, you can do so by means of Super Chat, or we have links to PayPal, Cash App, Venmo in the description below. But Eisman57 says, State employee Brian's income is listed online. In 2022, his gross pay was $1,122,083 since uh, Vito Corleone hired him in 2012. He has pocketed over $6 million of Iowa tax punny, taxpayer money. This blank is outrageous. Those are all facts. Let's get to Chris, who's been on hold. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Corey. How we doing? Doing all right, man. How are you? <laughs> oh, fantastic. What a day. Um, yeah, so where to begin? I guess... First thing, at the end of the press conference, this is something that pissed me off. When Kirk was going on some whatever diatribe about recruiting or whatever, he brought up like top five or top ten programs. He's like, I'm not looking to get into that stratosphere anytime soon. It's like, so what are we even doing here? Like, what is the goal here? We're just sitting here. What did he say? What what did he say at the end? I missed that. It was something around... It might have been recruiting base, but it was pretty much like how they don't play in that ballpark. So I guess it could be like NIL related. So that's one thing. But it was just the connotation I got was like, we really were never going to be in that top five, top 10 team ballpark. So it's like, shouldn't that be the goal? Like what if we were if we had a new coach or if like another program, like they just openly say like they're not trying to be the best it pisses me off especially even when we were number two in the country last year kirk's like well we're not that good so don't get too excited he said that after the penn state win it's like that's just so frustrating like go for it why are we not trying to be the best i don't understand that i mean that's ridiculous well let's be honest chris did he really need to say it did he need to to realize that the priority (laughs) within the confines of that football program priorities are not centered on how can we be elite that's never been a priority absolutely not under kirk Kirk. yeah no that's a very good point so another thing that pissed me off uh just the narrative that the coaches aren't responsible for the roster like they had a tough the coach had a tough the coaches had a tough season because the players were bad you're the one who brings in the players why did we not find a quarterback this past season we saw 2021 we saw it was an issue they did nothing and now we are in 2022 and he says you know oh yeah we had a bad roster well figure that out that's not that's your problem you're the coach you that's your coaching staff i like it's insane what is allowed to go on in this not to interrupt you but the the accountability thing um that is a fair point for all of these uh specific discussions because when you bring up the fact that um personnel i mean especially in college coaches are responsible for personnel and i understand now nil's playing a role Uh, ironically enough now nil has played a role after the you know the iowa struggle so i was having problems before nil obviously we're seeing the results of that but the, the idea that uh, the players are basically solely to blame here or 
Yeah, and, and let's be honest, Kirk brought up injuries. He brought up, you know, Cody Ince, and he brought up, I mean, these different guys who have walked away from the program for various reasons. And, and they have some unfortunate things happen. But the bottom line is what you just said is, is true. Um, Iowa is in charge. The coaches are in charge of recruiting. They're in charge of developing. And they had an opportunity last year, as you brought out, to go get a quarterback in the portal. They chose to sit on their hands, regardless. Of that. I know the report has been out there that they uh, contacted Adrian Martinez. Oh, okay, fine. They contacted Adrian Martinez. That's fine. Uh, they didn't make a hard Tommy push. DeVito, right. Tommy DeVito for Illinois. You could have got that guy last year. He would have and been there a were, big improvement. There, were, a do- there were dozens of quarterbacks <laughs> yeah. that would have been an upgrade. Dozens, literally. Yeah. Yeah. They would have been an upgrade from Spencer Petrus. I'm sorry. That's yeah. just a fact. I, I think that's – you just want, look at look at the numbers across the country, and you'll find dozens of players that were in the portal last year numbers-wise. And I know there's a difference when you get to the Iowa system. I get that. It's not apples to, uh, to uh, apples always. But Iowa chose to sit on their hands last year via the portal. And one argument – you one explanation for why Kirk doesn't blame Brian for that because he was probably a bigger part of that decision. Kirk was probably a bigger part of the decision to double down on Spencer and to not make a push for a quarterback a year ago. So what's he going to do? Where does the accountability lie? Well, now it's got to be Gary Barta that says, well, why didn't, why, if, if Brian's not responsible for not doing that, then why didn't you Kirk? But Gary refuses to do that. Gary's not interested in, in holding Kirk accountable, right? Kirk, yeah. Every time Gary, every, every time anything gets brought up to Gary about, the shortcomings of Brian, shortcomings of the offense. What does Gary do? He refers back to Kirk's 24-year record. That's what he does time yeah. after time. It's it's the last 24 years. He's built a lot of confidence in me. He even brought up today how much, most coaching staffs, most administrations don't have 24 years as a sample size to evaluate their staff or their head coach, at least. And I was in a u- unique position, and that's the fallback. So, and today, this is unpopular, but I mean, Brian is kind of a scapegoat. This is Kirk's. This is Kirk's baby. He is running this program. Like I really don't think much would have changed with a new offensive coordinator because Kirk would have never let them really be an offensive coordinator. This is everything is under the premise of Kirk Ferentz football. Like when I mean. It's been this. We've had three coordinators now. They've all been super unpopular. Brian's particularly bad, but I mean, like, this is Kirk Ferentz football as long as he's here. I, I can agree with you that they these coaching these coaches are operating under the confines of a Kirk Ferentz philosophy and a Kirk Ferentz offense. I don't buy the people who say that Kirk is there calling plays on game day and constantly yeah. overriding what Brian's doing. This is still. I think you could make the argument that Kirk has hired three, well, I'd say probably two offensive coordinators that were mediocre at best and one in Brian that had virtually no qualifications to be a play caller or an OC. And so he's had three coordinators over the course of a 24-year career. You could argue he's just hired poorly. I mean, I don't know that that means he's micromanaging everything. You're, You're right about the philosophy and the scheme, and Kirk made that clear today that that's what he believes in. But I also believe there are plenty of other coaches out there, Chris, that could coach and coordinate an offense to a much more effective degree within those confines. And, and I'll yeah. give you a perfect example of somebody who could probably do that. It's Paul Christ. Paul Christ could probably come I was here. Say that. Yep. If you were in those same confines, yeah. within those same confines, he could coach a, I think, a, a much better offense. And so 
I, I agree with you to an extent on that. I hear a lot of people bring out how well it's Kirk's offense. Let's not just use Brian's a scapegoat. They both deserve blame. Yeah. One last thing. So the points, yeah, if points is the metric, just really quick one through the schedule. In our losses, we scored 7, 6, 14, 10, and 17, and who knows how many defensive touchdowns were in that boat. So if that's their new metric that they use, points per game, that's a, that's a really good one. We're really doing well there. Five losses, all under 20 points. Like, this is 2023 college football, like, did you watch the bowl games? I mean, we're not going to be that. I mean, yeah, it's just insane. Like, I'm not asking to score 50 points a game, but, I mean, 20 would be nice. And last thing, and then I'll let you go. I don't think anyone should ever say another bad word about Caden Proctor. Like, why would he have come here if he knew this was – if Brian was sticking around? You could say whatever about the money, but, I mean – beyond the money why would you want to come here as an offensive player it just is yeah it just makes no sense yeah. and can i comment on that real quick quick yes yeah. i was disappointed with caden proctor leaving as well what i thought was funny was when tyler barnes is up there talking about how iowa was able to flip dejon parker after he had already committed he was already in he'd already been um accepted into virginia he was accepted into virginia now granted he's a transfer proctor as a high schooler he was accepted into Virginia, and Barnes even used the term poaching. He said, well, we don't usually you know, pride ourselves in going and poaching kids. So we acknowledge that they're poaching kids, and yet we're, we're – I'm not saying Iowa has has been sour grapes on you know in front of the media about Caden Proctor. In fact, I think they've been fairly gracious about that whole situation, which good good for them for that. But the fans out there that, that were upset about the Caden Proctor situation, and a few weeks later or a couple weeks later, Dejan Parker – <laughs> is added after having been accepted and he's actually on the Virginia website. I just find that humorous. And he plays the same position as Proctor. Yep. Double standard by Hawkeye fans for sure. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. Thanks for the vent session. Have a good one. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you, Cole, for this. I appreciate you being here, even though you're a Nebraska fan. Do appreciate that. Uh, appreciate all of our premium subscribers who are here. Uh, Erica, the Organic Vale Radio. Um, Zach, who called in earlier, Lemansky, Dennis. Um, I know I'm going to miss some. Lolly Q. Um, thank you all for being here. And if I missed you again, it's because I don't see your comment in the chat. It's nothing personal. David Alexander, thank you for being here. Um, you all are a big part of it. And of course, all of you watching, but uh, our premium subscribers uh, for your extra support, support call stipulate is here as well. Let's add uh, our next caller to the show here. Thank you for calling. Well, no, I know who it is because it says Alex. Welcome to the show, Alex. How's it going, sir? Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you loud and clear. Okay. I'm just, I'm actually driving home right now. Don't worry. I'm not looking at my phone. It's down. It's, I'm just using the car speakers. So I am dri- driving safely, two hands on the wheel, eyes on the road. I don't want, you know, people getting all up in arms about that. Yep. I appreciate you calling in. So, it's been a while, but, um, so I, I'll be, I was at work, so I didn't hear the press conference, but I've been listening to the show, um, and from what I'm getting, obviously, from your title and what people are saying, pretty much we're, it's the same thing as what we're going to, what we saw last year, and it's, it's to me, this shows this lack of, of spine that Gary Barta had because if Gary Barta either keep Brian or get rid of him because of 
father, he has no say because of nepotism. Now, and I, I, I'm not saying I know this for certain, but I have an inkling where Kurt's like, either you keep either you get rid of Brian and I walk too. So it's either you keep him and I'll stay, or you get rid of him and I'm going to walk too. And with I don't know how much Kurt's buyout is, but it's at the one, but he might be hanging that over Gary's head. I'm not. I don't want to sound so negative about it, but it's just like there's there has to be something there to where it's like you can't ignore the the the, the lack of results that this offense has produced, and just you know kind of turn you know turn the other cheek, so to speak. And think everything's hunky dory. Um, Alex, so, uh, I believe Iowa's buyout uh, as of last year, as of last summer, it, Iowa's buyout with Kirk. You want to guess what it was? It's, I know it's in like the millions, but I'm not quite sure. Forty-eight million. Yeah. <laughs> Forty-eight million to buy Kirk out. As of last summer, yeah, and and I, and I think there's been a part that you know, and maybe I've missed it. Uh, either either you've said it or one of the other other callers have said this, but you know, it's you know, it's ultimately what is if you break college football down or look at it in, in a macro kind of lens, what is it? It's, it's essentially it's a business. College football is a business. You get more eyeballs, you get more money. Okay, so that's why you have the Ohio State, the Alabamas, who have just like feel like they have a wealth of money. Well, I was kind of in the in a realm where we get, they get a lot of eyeballs on them because of just you know Iowa. The Iowa Hawkeyes are are like the Iowa NFL team. That's just what they are because they're a decent football squad and they're the only thing we have close to an NFL team. But and so what I think what's really going to wake up either Gary or this entire athletic department is the, the saying of people, you, I think it's people pay with their feet or something like that, where you stop, people stop going into the stadiums, stop buying tickets, stop buying concessions. People say, hey, we're not doing this until you guys make a change. Then nothing's going to happen. Unfor- you know, and I, if I get offered tickets to a hockey game, you know, yeah, I'm probably going to go because I don't go to too many and it's kind of, it's fun to see you know, go to Iowa City and have that experience, but you know, it's one of those to where season ticket holders are just, you know, we got to say, you know what, I, I'm not giving you any more money, any more of my money because this is we we have the expectation of mediocrity, and you know, we want more now. And until something like that happens to where they maybe they hit, you hit their pocketbooks, you know, it's I don't think change is going to happen until Kirk retires. I, unfortunately, that's what's going to happen. O'Brien gets offered a job in the NFL. And you brought up the Caden Proctor uh, situation, and I know people were salty about that, and then we got another guy from the guy from Virginia. My whole thing on that is, like, well, Caden Proctor is a very high five-star kid from Iowa, which we don't get a whole lot of five-star kids from Iowa. And you're comparing him to, I don't know what um, the guy from Virginia is, what his – uh, star rating was I think it was three if memory serves correct you're comparing a five star to a three star which there are hundreds of three stars only very few five stars so I don't like the whole people like oh you get mad when Alabama steals Proctor but you sold this kid and like he's a three star there's a thousand of them out there go find one five stars are incredibly hard to find and when you have one committed and all of a sudden he flips it hurts a little more especially for a team like I understand it 
I understand it hurts, Alex, but I'm saying you can't be salty. I don't think you have a right to blame Proctor because he was a five-star recruit over Dejon Parker, who wasn't. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm. I'm kind of. I'm not. I'm targeting some of the fans who are who are calling Iowa fans out, saying like, "Oh, yeah, you get mad when Kane Proctor flips, but then you're willingly to take this uh, Parker kid that committed to Virginia." That's that's who I'm calling out. I'm not calling out Kane Proctor. Well, I, I understand. If that, if that makes if, if that makes sense. Yeah, but the the fan, it's Alex, the fans, a lot of those fans have directed their anger toward Alabama and toward Proctor, not towards Iowa. Yeah, but, hey, but even you get like, like as, uh, I'm just going as, at the as upset as people are with Brian Ferentz, the, I, at least what I'm see, what I've seen on social media since Proctor decommitted, flipped to Alabama, the blame has been directed towards him and Alabama, and. I, I mean that that may be perhaps Iowa did everything they could. I, I can I, I know I've told you I've told our viewers what I was told about how that last visit in Caden Proctor's home went, and I believe that to be true because I've heard a similar account from the Iowa coach's perspective about what happened. So I don't know where the blame lies, but I'm just saying I, I agree with the. There's no reason to be salty. I don't believe there's any reason to be salty toward Proctor and toward Bama if you're going to open openly accept a kid who did the same thing to another power five program in Virginia, that's all I'm saying. Hey, hold on. I don't know if you can hear me. I think I may have lost you. Give me a second. I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Real family fishing wants to know if anybody has anything positive to say. <laughs> I don't think there's a whole lot of positivity around Hawkeye Nation today. And that's unfortunate because there was a player, a couple of players who signed on today, one in which being Rusty Feth, who's a grad transfer, another being Grant Leaper, tight end. But, uh, you know, you almost wonder, it's almost unfortunate that Kirk chose to make the announcements he made today on the same day as signing day. I understand why he did it, but it did kind of overshadow those recruits. Can you hear me, Alex? Yeah, I, I can hear it. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just going to stay. Uh, I just got a couple more comments to add, but, okay. um, you know, I, I think, I think okay. this is Kurt's last year. I think he's kind of, you know, go with this team. And then, you know, at the end of the year, bowl game or not, he goes, Hey guys, I'm going to bow out. You know, this is my last year, you know, you know, and then you can do what you want with the program. That's what I believe. Uh, I'm not advocating for Kirk to get fired. I think he's still a great coach, but I think these these last couple of seasons have really shown his stubbornness and his lack or his inability or his his um kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Like his like his resentfulness to change. Like he doesn't want to change unless he's like absolutely forced to change. And we kind of saw that, you know, last couple of years, you know, where he was really, you know, with the NIL thing this year, he's kind of looks like he's somewhat flipped, flipped his attitude on that, but maybe not all the way. But I think Kirk, I, I, I think Kirk's starting to like, he, I think he's starting to overstay his welcome a little bit again. I think he's a good, I think he was a great coach, but I think he's starting to get to the point to where it's like, he need, I think he needs to know it's time for him to just, step back and just, 
you know, right off into the sunset, so to speak. But anyways, I actually have a, I'm actually at my destination. I have a, my mom's birthday parties to uh, birthdays today. So we're having a little uh, get together for her. So so wanted to get my thoughts and thanks for taking my call, Corey. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Yeah, good, all good points. And uh, to our commenter, let me find the uh, comment. Bob, Kirk and Brian, I think, will have an all-new offensive scheme that will be a surprise to all of us come September. No. I mean, you have every right to that opinion, Bob, but that ain't happening. But we'll, we'll find out in September, but that ain't happening. Let's get to our uh, next caller. Thank you for calling Hawkeye Hangout here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Uh, Randy Hanson. Hey, Randy. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, first of all, uh, enjoy your show all the time. Thank uh, you, sir. I appreciate that. Says, you know, I'm a huge, huge uh, Kirk Prince fan and supporter. I mean, I'm just grateful for everything he's done for the program. Uh, but my first question is, obviously, the offense was terrible. But what exactly do you think uh, Brian Prince's shortcomings are as an offensive coordinator? I mean, is he just not able to develop the talent or call the right plays? I mean, what is it that keeps him from being a decent offensive coordinator? That's a good question. Great question, actually. Um, So I just want to preface what I say here by reminding you. And if you listen to my show for a while, I've said this on many occasions. I think we all have an, we all have the freedom to be able to say, Hey, this is not the right. uh, This is not the right hire. This is not, this guy is not the right guy for the job without necessarily knowing who is the right job, the the right guy for the job. Right. I mean, I think we can all acknowledge Brian's not getting the job done. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we know how to get the job done. We just know, there are other people who are getting the job done in a better fashion elsewhere that Iowa should pursue. I think we understand we're on the same page on that. So I would say a couple of things. Brian came here with no no uh, history, no experience play calling. All right. And for right. a former center, a former offensive lineman who has coached, I believe he coached running backs briefly. He obviously coached tight ends in the NFL. He, he's not a former quarterback. For him to all of a sudden know how to call plays, um, I, I find that hard to believe. And, and so when he was hired, I remember thinking that, uh, well, I hope this works out. But he's never called plays, and it's kind of a strange hire for a former offensive lineman who's not not a former quarterback, who's never called plays to be an offensive coordinator. So I think play calling, that's a big part of this. Um, certainly, you could argue that development developmental-wise, along that offensive line, um, Certainly at receiver. I know he's not a he's not the receivers coach. He's not the O line coach, but he oversees all of it. Those and even Kirk admitted that today. Those two positions have not performed anywhere close to where they need to perform. And you can blame injury, you can blame the portal and attrition or whatnot, but those shortcomings have occurred under the watch of Brian Ferentz. So I always like to defer to Coach Don Patterson. And again, we're going to have him on the show here in the next week or two. Um, he's a former OC. I mean, he is a former quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator who is very successful. He's all-time winning as head coach at Western Illinois. So I always like to defer to him on questions like that because it's a great question. But those are a couple examples from my vantage point 
of, of where Brian has fallen short. And it probably doesn't start there. He's obviously struggled on the recruiting trail. There have been stories from recruits that have went elsewhere that would indicate that they were not impressed with how Brian carried himself on visits. There's a number of reasons why uh, he, he things have not worked out. And I, I don't think, uh, I, I, as you can tell, strongly disagree with the logic or the idea that uh, somehow they just had bad luck or they had bad misfortune over the past few years with players. I think that's unfair to the players, and I think that's unfair to history and data. Well, I, I agree with everything that you said. And I mean, you know, and I'm one of these guys, you know, I'm down there in Texas now, but I grew up in Iowa, Iowa Falls. And uh, I'm just, I mean, the Hawkeye football team just has so many unbelievably great memories. And, uh, you know, I just live and die with the uh, the Hawks. You know, my kid was born, my twins were born and raised down here. If my kid ever got a chance to go play for Iowa, he'd be out of Texas in a minute. He just, he lives and dies for the Hawkeyes. But isn't Kirk French doing Brian French a total disservice by keeping him in a position where, I mean, there's no question he's over his head. I agree with you on that. Why wouldn't he want to go somewhere else away from the nepotism stuff? And and you can't get away from that nepotism argument. I mean, and I hate to say it, but I, I just think that you can't explain it any other way. But why wouldn't he want to go somewhere else and perfect his craft? I think he could probably develop a whole lot better somewhere away from Iowa. I just don't see, I think the longer Kirk keeps him there, the more it hurts Brian Ferencz's future. It's a great thought. And for the record, uh, I, I believe he has tried to go other places. Um, there were reports last year that he was looking to make the jump back to the league because he was he was fearful that he was damaging his father's legacy. And this year, there was, I mean, again, um, I, I reported this uh, a month ago, and I know I'm not the only one. There were strong, there were strong rumors, strong reports that um, Brian was looking to get back to the league. But you got to remember, he still has this lawsuit hanging over him. His resume doesn't look all that good because he's this offense has been the laughing stock of the country, especially this past year. He's hard to hire right now. And the bottom line is he's he's not going to resign. He's making almost a million dollars a year to do what he's doing. So you really going to resign? If he got a job in the league, maybe he would leave, even if he took a, a somewhat of a pay cut. But if he's still making, you know, five hundred, six hundred thousand a year, you could probably deal with that. But it, to resign with a lawsuit hanging over you where you're not real hireable anywhere of significance. I think that's the explanation. I believe Brian has tried to leave. He's made some efforts, but he's hard to hire. Well, I just, I'll let you go. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate this show that you put on all the time. I just, it's my connection to Iowa. So I, well, I appreciate that. Uh, very sir. grateful for what you do. Where are you at but down in Texas? Uh, Tyler, Texas. Okay. Where is Tyler? I'm not real familiar with. I did just east of Dallas, about 80 miles. Okay, because I was just in I was just in <laughs> Dallas uh, a few weeks ago, so that's why I was curious. But I uh, I grew up in Iowa Falls, and uh, okay. I remember I can remember changing oil on my '67 '67 Chevy pickup underneath the car when uh, Iowa beat Nebraska 10 to seven. <laughs> so I think it was a sophomore in high school at the time. And I mean, you just got tears in your eyes, 
you know, that we just turned this program around. So, I mean, between Hayden and Kirk, I love those guys, but I do think there's a huge blind spot for that Kirk's got going on with Brian Brent. Um, yeah. It's just not doing either one of them any good. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. But but here's what's happening here, and you you understand this as well. They've attacked the portal, and I said this with Mark Rogers when I had a live show with him yesterday. I said there's a, a good chance it sounds like what Kirk's going to use, and this is exactly what happened. He's going to fall back on personnel and basically throw the players under the bus and say, we were hurt, we were, you know, we were too young, we weren't, you know, we were having to play guys who weren't ready to play, which is, I know that's not completely throwing the players under the bus, but if you're blaming anybody, you're certainly blaming the players, putting more blame on the players than you are the coaches. And, you know, he he's double, he's tripling down. If they don't perform this year on that side of the ball, well, honestly, after the evaluation today, his, his explanation of their evaluation, who knows? But if they don't perform well on that side of the ball this year with all the, that added, the added personnel in the portal, then I don't know how you defend it. But I, I said that a year ago. I mean, I said that I know they didn't make moves in the portal a year ago, but every time I every time it looks to me like there's no way they can defend it, they find a way to defend it. So I, I've stopped well, trying to well, guess because this is just what happens well, here. The one thing I'd like to see some of the media up there is take on more of a, I mean, because you guys are critical without being personal. You know, that's what I like about it. But the media seems to give him uh, kid gloves treatment in these uh, press conferences. And that one reporter from Cleveland that kind of pressed the nepotism issue, like all of a sudden he was public enemy number one to Iowa. I think those questions just need to be legitimately asked. And I just wish some of these guys would start pushing that. Yeah. But, but the bottom line is I'm a huge Hawkeye fan. Just one last thing. One of the things that's turned a lot of people from Texas into Iowa fans, though, is that uh, first quarter, you know, turning around to the children's hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that thing's bigger than what you believe. I mean, outside, outside Iowa, I mean, everybody raves about that uh, deal. So, um, yeah. And, and, uh, you're absolutely right, and um, I, I I don't have uh, I, I wish I had better explanations for for what you're describing. I, I will say this in defense of some of the people in the media that you're upset that they're not pressing harder. And I mean, I don't think anybody really came to Kirk with hard pressing questions today. They're questions that basically you expected. But you got to realize that Cleveland.com writer didn't have to worry about his day job as a result of pressing okay. Kirk. Um, every one of those. I just re- think the guy that doesn't uh, suck up to them all the time. I think you can ask legitimate questions without being disrespectful. I agree. Um, that's that's certainly one of them. I, I think that's a great thing you guys do on your show. Uh, I mean, you lay it out there; it's critical, but it's never personal. You know, it's yeah. just factual. But, anyways, I appreciate your time, and I'm going to be listening all the time. I love your show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the call and for the support. Thanks. All right. Appreciate our caller there for uh, giving us a ring and, and great stuff. I appreciate him calling in from Tyler, Texas. Let's get to our next caller who's on the phone line. Thank you for calling Hawkeye Hangout here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Uh, this is John, Corey. Hey, John. How are you? I'm good. I, I'd love to hear your opinion. Uh, do you think Kirk holds Brian back as far as the offensive scheme, or do you think they think alike as far as the offense goes? I really don't know. That's a good question, John. But uh, 
I've heard people who argue both ways, but I don't think anybody really knows unless you're uh, in Brian's head and Kirk's head, because uh, I mean, certainly you could argue he's holding everybody back because he believes in his system. He believes in, in uh, he believes in more zone concepts in the run game than, than gap blocking. We heard that uh, question asked today and then he doubled down on the zone blocking, even though there's rule changes that make it hard to um, effectively uh, run with zone blocking. Um, so, I mean, there are, there certainly are constraints that he puts on the offensive system, but as it relates to play calling, I, I, I don't think, in, except probably in, in significant areas, I mean, Don Patterson has talked about this before in big moments of games, the head coach is going to have the ultimate say, if he wants to overrule something, Hayden Fry did the same thing. I'm sure Don Patterson did at Western Illinois, but Kirk is not micromanaging play calling from a play to play basis. So he's not even he, Kirk Ferentz is not a former uh, offensive coordinator himself. He's a former line coach. So I, I don't, I don't believe that's occurring. Now would Brian, if he had total freedom to do what he wanted, would he run a spread concept at Iowa? I have no idea. I mean, that's that idea that claim is out there, but I don't know that I've ever heard Brian. He's never said that, that he wants to run a spread here. So I think anybody who acts like they know what Brian would want to run is just throwing mud at the wall and seeing if it sticks. <laughs> yeah. Um, one other thing is uh, if Joey Lavis got Spencer's snaps at the beginning of last year in spring bowl and uh, fall camp and through the season, I'm purely speculating here, but I think he would have been a better quarterback than Spencer. Just by in the bowl game. Yeah, you might be right. Uh, I mean, one thing about Joey, and this, and I could argue the same thing about Alex. Alex doesn't have the best of arms, and of course, now he's going down to SMU, and I'll be intrigued to see how he does down there. But the one thing about Alex, and especially Joey, is they are considerably more mobile than Spencer Petrus ever has been and ever will be. So, with all the offensive line struggles, there's reason to believe that anybody with some degree of mobility would have been more effective than Spencer Petrus because the one real positive trait that uh, besides just leadership, when I'm no, no doubt that Spencer's a good leader, he has a good arm. He's a big arm, but yet Iowa seemingly refused to throw the football down the field, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But my point is, if you're not going to utilize his skill set, utilize a skill set on in that room. And, and mobility is a skill that, that Joey Labus has that Alex Padilla had to an extent. So, Joey Labus was not ready to play at the beginning of the season. I think that's clear. I mean, playbook wise, um, you know, he'd been in the system for literally one year, which should be probably close to enough to be able to to um, at least know enough to be able to operate. But man, uh, Spencer had been there over four years. Kirk was never going to defer to a guy who had been there one year over a guy who, even though he's immobile, he's a statue who he trusts not to make the big mistakes. And I think, the way Joey Labus plays just makes a guy like Kirk Ferentz nervous. Um, that would be my <laughs> that would be my take on it. And I don't know that again. Joey Labus may just have been a little bit slow picking up the the, the concepts and the playbook and and whatnot. And uh, I, I I don't really blame Kirk for that necessarily. I, my blame with the quarterback position more so falls on not going to the transfer portal harder last year when they had all kinds of opportunities. They had quarterbacks everywhere, proven guys in the portal. Um, and I will refuse to really make a play for for one of them. 
Well, the, the thing that I didn't understand was uh, he was always saying, well, he doesn't, you know, he's behind uh, Alex and Spencer. Well, yeah, if you're on the scout team, you're always going to be behind them. If you don't ever get the chance to work with the number one offense, you know. Well, that's the coaches. Anyway. That's the coaches not believing from what they see in the scout team that uh, Joey's anywhere close to being able to be capable of taking snaps with the ones to the twos. That's that's what the coaching staff wants you to believe. I I, I don't know because I'm not there every day. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, one of the players said that one of Joey's problems was he had a tendency to go off script, and I think that's one of Kirk's number one pet peeves is you know not not stick it to the program to pull something out and run a different direction. I know I listened to a, a Drew Tate interview one time and, and he said he buzzed heads with Ken O'Keefe all the time. Ken would send in a prog- or a play and he'd say, well, that's stupid. And he'd switch it on the line to something else. And then when he'd go to the sideline, Ken would go, what was that? <laughs> so who, who is this that said that? Uh, Drew Tate said he butt heads with Ken O'Keefe all the time. Yeah, I believe that. That he was constantly switching the play at the line because, you know, he didn't care for what Ken sent in for a play. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and, and Drew had and, that person. I think Drew but I think Drew butted heads with, with a lot of people within the confines of that program. Just because of how Drew, I don't, no doubt that Drew's a, a good person, nice person, but just his personality probably didn't fit into what Kirk typically would want at quarterback. I mean, he's not... He, he couldn't be more different than a guy like Spencer Petrus, who is the epitome of what Kirk wants at quarterback. Uh, do you think he fit in the same category with Kirk as uh, DJK, the receiver? Kind of I, I, don't to, I don't want to go that far. DJK had some serious issues. Um, I, I mean, he had some issues, obviously. I don't want to get into his legal problems that he's had. Um, but I, I think I, I wouldn't go that far. I think maybe Drew's personality was was such that butted heads with people, but DJK maybe had some, some attitude problems and some other issues. I, I don't know. I, I don't even want to really uh, suggest things that I can't completely validate, but that's my understanding of the DJK situation. I do wish that Kirk would be more open to mending fences with people like DJK because there are people that have come through this program that I think don't have any relationship with the program and with the coaches, and I think that's unfortunate. But I don't think DJK and, and Drew Tater on the same in the same stratosphere there. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Corey. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. All right. Um, I do have a couple of super chats to get to several super chats. If I missed your super chat earlier, I apologize. First of all, um, I think we got to Lemansky's super chat earlier. Thank you for that. Lemansky JT says, sent you a tweet on messages. They already lied. Justin Britton. So the reference to JT's tweet, uh, Justin Britt tweeted out at 421 PM. No, I have not retired from football. So I'd have to go back and listen to Kirk's explanation of, of Justin Britt. I don't believe he ever said matter of factly that he had retired from football. He did basically say that about David Davidkov. Um, but I wonder what is going on with Justin Britt, why he, why he hasn't entered the portal. Um, I'm assuming, see, I would assume he's probably graduating in May would be my guess if he hasn't already. So we'll see what he does, but I'm guessing he won't play again here. Uh, JT, yes, uh, he has announced that he's not uh, done with football, according to his Twitter. Uh, Acriel, we need a better future for the program. Thank you for the super chat, Acriel. A lot of people agree with you. Uh, 
And no one's doubting. I mean, what, what Gary, everything that Iowa said today as it relates to data, I mean, all of that was for the most part true. I don't think, I don't know what uh, metric Gary Bart is using when he says they've never had a top 30 offense under Kirk, which is not a credit to anybody, really. That's more of a discredit to Kirk's ability to evaluate his offensive coordinator. But um, for the most part, everything else that they said today, data-wise, stat-wise, is is true. Um, but uh, again, what what has was stated was convenient. What I believe was just convenient to the narrative that they want to portray, that they want to paint, and that is uh, we're going to continue with uh, with Brian and with the staff. And of course, Kirk's not going to fire George Barnett or Kelton Copeland and leave Brian Ferentz in place. Can you imagine how hypocritical that would look? So my guess is you're not going to see really any staff changes unless something major happens or guys leave. You're not going to see any major any staff changes for any of the full-time assistants um, unless something happens with Brian because it would be a double standard. And I think Kirk knows that that's how it would be portrayed because that's what it would be. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, if you're just getting here and I'm going to try to keep my voice, my voice is starting to get a little bit weak. Uh, I've had a long day, but uh, we're going to keep keep plugging along here at uh, about 5.50 p.m. The phone line is open, 515-635-1601, 515-635-1601. I know it says call, call line busy. It is not busy, so I'll get rid of that here in a second. We're going to take a quick, quick break. We'll be right back. The phone line is open. Again, one more time, 515-635-1601. If you want to call and join the conversation, what were your thoughts following the uh, press conference from Kirk Ferentz today and the announcement that uh, the plan is to move forward with Brian, with with uh, with Kelton Copeland, with George Barnett, and the entire staff. We'll talk more about it here in a moment. Let me make sure that uh, I have the right banner here for everybody. Okay, we'll be right back in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hawkeye fans, let's talk about health and performance optimization for a moment. Our sponsor, Ascent Nutrition, offers amazing products. It's actually owned by former Iowa graduate Lance Shuttler. Now, I've decided to partner with Ascent Nutrition because of their unique approach to human health. Ascent offers an organically grown mold and mycotoxin-free coffee. It provides a pure, clean, and rich flavor without those pesticides that most coffees are treated with. They also offer an algae oil DHA, which is used to support brain health, memory, and focus, as well as proper nervous system development in adults, children, athletes, and even pets. Now, lastly, their unique crafted wild pine pollen is used to support cardiovascular health, hormonal function, and a healthy libido. Your purchase not only supports this channel, but the business of a former Hawkeye. Visit GoAscentNutrition.com or click the link in the description below and use the code Hawkeyes. That's the code Hawkeyes to receive 15% off your total order from Ascent Nutrition. All right, appreciate you, Ascent Nutrition, as always, for sponsoring the programming here. Hawkeye Hangout from the Hawkeye of the Storm. And I am behind on the number of Super Chats, and we've got people waiting to uh, chat with us. So let's get to Super Chat here from Ryan. Well, actually, this is, a, a, I believe, a Super Sticker. I can't tell because StreamYard doesn't show it to me. Ryan, thank you for the $20 Super Chat, Super Sticker, whatever the case may be. appreciate that uh, generous donation. And, of course, that helps uh, the channel to continue to operate and give you a place to vent. Let's get to our phone line. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hi, uh, first time caller actually. My name's Mitch. I live up in the Twin Cities, and um, hey, Mitch. I'm sorry if you've actually gotten this question before, but I kind of wanted to talk about Charlie Jones. 
Okay. Um, his stats from last year, from this past season, hundred. I got him pulled up. Hundred and ten receptions. That's first in the nation. Thirteen hundred and sixty-one yards, second in the nation. Twelve touchdowns, tied for fifth. Um, with those kind of stats, and compared to what he had at Iowa, and with Brian Ferentz still saying staying, excuse me. Like, what does that say about how the offense is ran here in Iowa? Like, I'm just really curious. Like, look at those stats compared to what he was doing in Iowa. Like, Well, um, I'll say this, Mitch, that uh, Kirk was asked about, I don't know if you remember this, I think it was prior to the Purdue game last year. Mitch was, uh, Kirk was asked about Charlie Jones and what he's been doing at Purdue. Do you remember how Kirk responded to the question? No, I think I might have missed, I missed that or... Yeah. Uh, me and my buddy used to watch those press those press conferences and just laugh at it, and maybe I just forgot. Well, he 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 basically said that uh, they had seen a lot of improvement from Charlie last spring, and when he left, it it caught him completely off guard. Which basically, I mean, what does that tell you? It tells me that they believe they were a big part of Charlie's um, success, and that he improved exponentially from 2020 to 2021 or excuse me, 2021 to 2022. And they were excited to see this type of production at Iowa in 2022. Now he did acknowledge the difference with philosophy, with scheme at Purdue. Of course, they're a pass first offense. We understand that it's it's not apples to oranges when you're comparing Iowa's offense to Purdue's offense, just from a production standpoint and wide receiver standpoint. But that was basically, I'll have to find that video and, and watch it back because basically he attributed uh, Charlie's, a lot of Charlie's success to, the growth that he had made while he was at Iowa. What it tells me though, if you asking me as an honest person who believes that, that that's not totally uh, accurate and totally truthful is uh, it's, it's a testimony of a couple things. A not being able to evaluate talent you have on the roster, right? Um, they got Charlie Jones in from Buffalo as a walk on. I don't know if that was more LeVar Woods and, and the special teams unit and what they saw with, you know, potential wise from Charlie returning kicks, returning punts, or if that was more so uh, the offensive coaching staff. But regardless, he was underutilized in 2021. I don't believe, I don't buy into the idea that Charlie made some massive jump in spring of 2022. When's the last time we've seen an Iowa receiver make some massive jump during spring? <laughs> I mean, we, we just haven't seen that. So I think it's more about opportunity. It's more about scheme. It's more about um, development or lack thereof. And yes, I, I, he wasn't, he got to Purdue in what summer of last year um, and was playing within a few months, but that's credit to Purdue for getting him ready. And, and I wish that Iowa could take a, a couple pointers out of the Jeff Brom playbook uh, offensively, but uh, that would require some humility. Yeah, I guess I agree with you there. Well, that was the only question I had. Uh, I had um, uh, keep up the great work. work. I try to watch almost. Anytime you are uh, streaming here, um, you have a nice day, all right? Thank you, Mitch. You have a good rest of your day. Stay, stay warm up in Minnesota. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, sir. Minnesota, man. I, I question myself all the time. Why do I live in Iowa, especially when it's zero degrees outside and negative 20 wind chill? But uh, Minnesota's a different animal. So um, I want to get to the, CJ. Thank you for becoming a, a premium subscriber, a member here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. That is much appreciated. And how about the super chat from CJ? Thank you very much, sir. Very much appreciated and very helpful to 
the channel. Thanks for giving us the place to vent. I really hope your career in media covering the Hawkeyes continues to grow. Um, I, I don't have any. I can tell you, CJ, I, I appreciate the donation, and it's going to help the show immense, immensely. But uh, I don't have any plans to uh, join the former formal Iowa media. That's never been uh, a goal of mine. This has never been a goal of mine, even when I was younger. Never had any desire to be an Iowa beat guy. Um, I've covered news and sports on AM, FM radio, and uh, that was enough uh, uh, being a part of the formal media. I love what I do now. Um, this is not my full-time gig, but uh, donations like this do help support what I'm doing. And and my plan is to continue doing this. I love doing the post-game shows with Coach Close, Coach Patterson. I foresee challenging shows ahead for football. But just like some people express on here that that I help you to cope, Coach Patterson helps me to cope. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a positive. Uh, we're going to put our caller on the phone line on hold. We've got, uh, let's see here, Dean. Dean is waiting in our queue. Dean, welcome to the show. You are muted, Dean. Can we get you unmuted, sir? I still can't hear you, sir. I still cannot hear you. Their mic, your micro, it's StreamYard is telling me your microphone is not connected. All right, he's he's leaving, and I think he's going to come back. So we'll try to get uh, we'll try to get Dean's uh, audio situation figured out here. Um, we'll come back to you, Dean. Let's get to our caller, who's on the phone line. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Zach, how's it going, Corey? Good, Zach. How are you? Another day, another <laughs> cold day. Another and for <laughs> Brian, another day and another what? Five thousand dollars. What? What do you think he makes per day? What's he making per? Let's, let's break this. Should we break it down? Let's see, he's making about <laughs> well, what, before or after taxes. <laughs> yeah, nine hundred. Well, what did we say earlier about all said and done? About just about a million dollars. So let's just do a million dollars without factoring in taxes divided by three hundred sixty-five days. All right, another day, another twenty-eight hundred bucks, Zach. <laughs> Jeez, I wish I could get that. <clears throat> yeah, and that's including weekend pay, Zach. Yeah. Geez. Anyways, I I know I saw, I saw a comment. I think you had mentioned and said, "Anybody have any positive news?" I was going to say, "Well, we have a top six ranked women women's basketball team, and we got an Iowa basketball Huge team, game. Iowa men who have won what mm. six of their last eight. Am I right in saying that six yeah. of their last eight now? Yeah, because yeah, they won four straight, lost the two after the cancellation, and then yeah." What a game we got so, coming up on Saturday with a team that's won seven of their last eight and a team that's won six of their last eight. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, well, in a, in a big game tomorrow night with the women Absolutely. against Maryland, Man. that's top ten matchup. Oh, I, I love basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love basketball. <laughs> anyway. So, at, at what point <clears throat> with the whole football stuff, because I know we're all a little disappointed, at what point, though, does the buck actually stop with Barta? Oh, Right. What do you mean? At what point? At that point, we've come to that point. Right now, yeah. <laughs> the, the the buck has start. The buck has stopped with Barta a long time ago. And look, I, I as somebody said earlier, I appreciate somebody acknowledging this. I tried. I mean, it's never something personal, but I've said on a number of occasions that Barta, I believe, has done a poor job. He has obviously done a pretty good job hiring certain coaches. I think that uh, Fran McCaffrey was a good hire. You look at Rick Heller; he's been a good hire. Um, yeah. I mean, he's done good things as it relates to hiring coaches. 
Um, and and people use fundraising to defend Gary Barta. Anybody can fundraise to Iowa. I really believe that. So that's not a, a valid argument. But overall, with the number of blunders with the media and with the lawsuits and with the the, the payments out, and now with this, uh, I'd be very I'd be very very content. I won't use the word happy. I'll be very I would be very content if we got an announcement tomorrow that Gary Barta has stepped down as Iowa's AD. I might even throw a party. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm ser- no. I'm 100 percent serious, Zach. Well, I think there would be a lot of Hawkeye fans who would be going. Where is the party? We'll join. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. Because, I mean, I, if I, I can tell you a story. I think maybe it was the 16th, 7th. I forget what year it was, but Iowa baseball had just gotten field turf for their infield. The athletic department had it installed. <clears throat> and I was told the story that they just started with the infield. The outfield was going in the next year. They had, But different shades were on different sides of the infield due to the sun. Well... When they installed it, they installed it backwards. So I believe they had to pay a quarter of a million dollars at the end of the year to tear up the field turf and re-put it in. Yeah. That, That's a little bit of a blunder. <laughs> was that, was, so do you blame that on Gary Barta? <clears throat> uh, who knows? <laughs> Might as well. It's convenient. <clears throat> we'll just, listen, we'll just take the Kirk Ferentz, Gary Barta way out and we'll just do what's convenient, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, Kirk has often said, I've heard him on post games on TV saying, you know, we're not a statistics team. Well, yeah, we all can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. Who, I mean, who would actually be if, and like, it's like, it would be, it would be a, it would be a nice wish to happen. Who would it be actually the one who would fire Barda though? Uh, well, I'm assuming. Would it be the president? The president. I don't know if the Board of Regents has a say <clears> in that. I, I have, I, I I don't think it's just the president. I don't think, well, maybe the president can, I, I really don't have the answer to that question. Maybe that may, maybe that should have been a question to Gary today. Who has the po- power to fire you, Gary? What do you think Gary would have said to that? That would have been interesting. Um, I mean, cause I mean, what will it, will it take? Will it take fans to stop coming? Obviously that's what happened with, I hate to mention this name, lick lighter. He, um, <clears throat> fans just stopped coming and it was just a bad product. <clears throat> Well, um, th- that's the problem. Because is, as you said, what 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 really a, has Barta done besides, okay, they redid the end zone to make it louder. Woo. Well, l- let me just say this real quick. So <clears throat> that is the blessing and the curse of Iowa football loyalty. Right? Yeah. That is the blessing and the curse. Yeah. You have fans that are loyal, but you have fans who are loyal. And some may say that's that's how dare you even ensue or imply that that's a bad thing. But when you're talking about leverage, you have no leverage. If the fans show up in droves this fall, and I don't know if they will, I don't know if they, if they won't, because it would be easy for me to sit here and say, well, their fans are just not going to come because they're upset about Brian. It's I, if you listen to the show yesterday with Mark, we talked about this. Iowa football is an event. Tailgating is an event. Yep. Saturdays are an event. And Iowa people are excited about Cade McNamara. They're excited about Seth Anderson. They're excited about Caleb Johnson. They like Tory. They love Tory Taylor. They love Phil Parker's defense. So, although you might think that there is going to be significant pushback, I'm not convinced yet. Do I want there to be? 
yes and no. I don't want to see the players suffer. I hate to see the players suffer for right the Iowa coaches and their well certain coaches ineptitude. Um, I, I hate to see the players suffer. And, and if you don't show up to games and you stop giving to the collectives and you 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 know you you stop donating, that hurts the players just as much as it hurts the coaches. That's the unfortunate thing. It probably hurts the players more. Right. And, and and as you mentioned, I think it was on the show with the collective uh, CEO. I mean, you think of the massive contracts that are about to come. <laughs> that massive TV deal that's going to come, what, next year? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's I, – I think, I think a lot of fans would probably say they'd take Barta first if, if unless Brian went to, but – I know, I know a lot of fans, at least that I know here in Cedar Rapids, want Barta nowhere near Iowa anymore. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I don't think if you had to take a poll of how of of who is happy with Gary Barta, I would guess that uh, probably seventy to eighty percent of fans would say they're not happy. So whatever that means. Yeah. Well, well. Who knows? They could go undefeated next year. Yeah. Uh, no. But. Stranger stuff has happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm struggling to think of um, of, uh, of many, but uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I had. Uh, again, everybody like the show. Love what you do, Corey. Thank uh, you, have sir. a nice evening. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Appreciate all our callers this evening. Our phone line is open. We've got a, a, a nice list of uh, people in the queue. So we'll we'll go back to Dean now. We're going to see if Dean's got his audio fixed. Dean. Hey, thank you for bringing hey. me on. <laughs> you hear me, That's wonderful. How are you, sir? Hey, so, yeah, I got an opposite um, viewpoint um, of Brian than everybody else does. Okay. Because I feel like he could not control what happened with the injuries, situations that came up this year. And I think he did he did the best he could. He was dealt a crappy hand. It's just like poker. Sometimes you can't do anything when you get dealt a crappy hand. You know. Sure. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um I think I think that's a fair argument if we were just looking at one year, right? The the sample size mm-hmm. that we have from with, with Brian Ferentz, if you if even if you want to defend what he did in 17, 18, 19, and and there were the offenses were better in those three years, but not not exponentially better, not to a point where I don't think that can really be used as leverage in his favor. We know I'm the looking op- at the, we know what the offense. I'm looking did at um, Corey. I'm looking at last year and this year. We started with a crappy O line. You know, what's only slightly improved. I mean, if we're going to fire anybody, let's fire the old line coach who we've had for two years, who has a, who's had an old line that couldn't block, couldn't, you know, and we had people that turned the wrong way. And, you know, we have somebody that's supposed to block this guy, but he turns this way and he's blocking air, you know, and that's where I, that's where I think it starts. Yeah. Well, no, you're I, Kirk is not wrong and you're not wrong that the offensive mm-hmm. line has been maybe the biggest personnel issue, but the argument is also valid. Dean, Who's in charge of developing the offensive line? Who's in charge of recruiting yeah. along that offensive line? Who's re- in charge of retaining players along the offensive line? Big problem with the offensive line is they haven't been able to retain players. And they have had some misfortune. Guys like David David Cobb, Ezra Miller, that Cody Ince retiring early. Uh, Mark Kallenberger left early. Koei Kronk was hurt in 2020. They've had a lot of those unfortunate situations. But 
when you continue to see issues with with player retention at a particular position, that tells me, hey, we got a cultural issue or we, we've got some issue behind the scenes. This isn't just a bunch of bad eggs or unfortunate occurrences. This is a trend. So I understand what you're saying. And maybe George Barnett should shoulder some of the blame. The bottom line is Kirk got up there today and doubled down on everybody, not just on Brian. Brian right. was the focus of the press conference. He doubled down on everyone. So, and and, and again, I, I understand he, he's looking at injuries. He's looking at, uh, you know, guys retired from, from football. Mark Kallenberg, I don't even know if he's ever come out with a reason why he left early. But the bottom line is none of those guys that left early uh, they're not alone. I mean, we have a number of, of occurrences that are eerily similar that tells me something is happening behind the scenes or not happening behind the scenes, if that makes sense. And you're right that Brian Ferentz, anybody who wants to imply that he is the only problem here could not be more wrong. Right. Um, hey, Corey, I'm getting double feedback, so I'm going to get out of here so I don't have to listen to double feedback. But thank you for letting me on. Absolutely. Appreciate you calling, Dean. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, Dean's right. Uh, offensive line has been, been a huge issue. That was a huge talking point of Kirk Ferentz today. Um, lack of offensive line development. Um, but again, who does that fall on? You, you cannot just blame injuries because I can, I can name at least four to five players in the last four years who have left or who have not developed like you'd want. Iowa had a fifth-year senior playing this year who was not good at all. And Dean brought up guys not knowing what they're doing. He was one of those guys at times that wasn't in the right place more seemingly more often than not. So why isn't that fifth year senior more ready? Um, I mean, you go back to 2019, and I know they, you know, they were had not yet made the change with Chris Doyle and and Barnett. They had a, a couple of I think fifth or sixth year guards that uh, were uh, underwhelming to say the least. Um, they've had a, a number of guys leave the program, transfer out of the program, and that's that's part of college football today. But if we're going to look at the offensive line, let's lay out the facts. It's not just, well, we're young. There's a reason why you're young. There's a reason when you say you're forced to play guys who weren't yet ready. That's a quote from Kirk Ferentz today. We were forced to play guys who weren't yet ready. So where were the guys that were supposed to be ready? Where were the guys from the 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020 classes? Some of them have had unfortunate occurrences injury-wise. Cody Ince, Justin Britt, that's, those are facts. But believe me, there it goes much further than just Britt and Ince. And I, I did a video, uh, it was last fall, about the issues with the offensive line and where do those problems stem from. And it's hard to pinpoint, but you can just lay out the facts of what happened and it's just a very odd series of events. And, you know, you, you could point to Chris Doyle leaving. That may be a factor. George Barnett's not getting the job done. Ultimately, Brian Ferentz is the OC. He's a former offensive lineman himself. Kirk Ferentz himself. I mean, he, Kirk Ferentz is a former offensive line coach. So all of those factors are in play here. And I do appreciate Dean calling because he, he's absolutely right. It's not just Brian Ferentz, but the buck stops with the head offensive coach. And if he's not being held accountable, then the head coach needs to be held accountable. And if he's not going to be held accountable, then it has to be the AD held accountable. Right now, there's very little accountability anywhere. Let's get to our caller who is uh, waiting on hold, Tom. Welcome to the show, Tom. 
Tom, you're muted as well. I hope your your audio is connected. Let's no, you're you're just muted. Let's get you unmuted. There, you good, Corey. Yes, I can hear you, you sir. Me? I do. Okay, Corey, I'm trying to figure out what we're gonna have for content for the next seven months. <sighs> what are you gonna do for seven months? Seven months. Well, we've got yeah. basketball through through probably yeah, Well, I mean, on the football show, you know? I mean, there'll spring. be callers. This will be the hot issue every time. No, I, I don't months. want it to be. I don't want it to be, Dom. Believe me, I don't want it to be. Um, well, Corey, I missed be... the first part. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, th there will be spring practice to talk about. Um there will be another transfer portal window opening after spring practice, right? Good for um, you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, yeah, you guys, you got to make a living, right? And and this is uh, part of how I make a living. So it's, you know, yeah. good question. You're going to be searching all year for a different oh, I topic. Be, I won't be searching. There's plenty, there's plenty to talk about. Well, I listened to the press conference today. I missed the first few minutes of it, but I'll, I'll, what I can say is it just sounded like a lot of crap, just a lot of crap. And we all knew what it was going to be. And it sounded like crap. And it's like you talk about, there's no accountability and it's just, it gets old, you know, it is what it is. I think they'll struggle to be, be better than eight and four next year. I know the schedules in there in their realms, but I don't see anything changing. I, I think the sketch. I mean, with if you just look at what Iowa's defense did this year and what Iowa's defense did in 2021 and what they did in 2020, do you have any reason to think they're going to take a big step backwards? The the schedule is offense won't go back much um, further. What's that? The offense can't get a lot worse. <laughs> the offense can't get a lot worse. I don't foresee the defense taking a big step back. The schedule sh it shapes up to be a more favorable schedule than this year, and they won eight games this year with this yeah. offense. So I, I, you may be right, but I, I think they'll win nine or ten games with with this offense. But they not they are not winning a Big Ten. I don't believe they're winning a Big Ten. I don't think they have much of a chance to win a Big Ten title and make any push for. I mean, I, I can't imagine a scenario. I really cannot imagine a scenario with without making significant changes to scheme, to philosophy, to uh, the coaching staff, to play calling. Uh, and, and the reason I keep going back to coaching staff because I don't believe that other things will change unless you make a change with the staff itself. So I don't believe that any of those things, I don't think Iowa has much of a chance to make any national push without significant changes. It's not just a matter of personnel, not in my opinion. Well, Corey, my thing, even after their first three games or four games, I told people, you can't tell me that we have the 130 worst, worst talent on offense i mean petrus was a he was a four-star quarterback wasn't he by 24 7 three slash four depending on yeah three. i don't know about four seven but wherever but, you look but you yeah. take all, a, a lot of them teams like your northern illinois and those we surely have a better talent pool at offense than those teams and and why are we so poor and it's all got to come down to to the coaching staff on or, offense. Or you blame the players. 
I still can't think our number twos are that bad or number threes. Well, but they're bad. If they're if they're that bad, then why are they that bad? You're right. You know, that's what yeah. it comes. That's what it, I mean. I know this isn't rocket science. Like people who, and, you know, and who, you brought up like Charlie Jones and these players that leave that are talent talented when they go somewhere else. So they can't evaluate talent. Evaluation of talent is another issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's just what do they do with it? Not much. Well, they, I give them credit for this. They evaluated Charlie Jones exceptionally well, right? Yeah. They found a diamond in the rough at Buffalo. But then he gets here and LeVar Woods utilizes him. I mean, let's give LeVar Woods credit. Charlie Jones did absolutely nothing, or I should say next to absolutely nothing at Purdue special teams-wise. He was a star on offense. So LeVar right. Woods got everything out of Charlie Jones uh, by means of special teams play. But you're absolutely right. Um, what a stark contrast when you look at how he was utilized on offense. That's that's a fair point. And it'll be inter- intriguing to see how Arlen Bruce does down at Oklahoma State. I'll, I'll be I'll be incredibly intrigued to see how he does down there. Uh, I don't expect him to be the next Charlie Jones. But if he goes down there and puts up huge numbers, what a further indictment on the Iowa staff. I'm just afraid what we're going to do to our quarterback, Mackman there. You know, no, he's going to be an. Uh, I, I'm Tom. He's going to be an upgrade. He's going. Yes, to make I agree. But but he might be a downgrade from what he was. You know, from on his performance what do you mean, side. A, a downgrade. Well, from what? We, we get all this hype that you know he's coming here, but I, I'm afraid our coaching staff will just he'll just look mediocre like the last quarterbacks. Well, uh, I I think the result of the system, right? The system in play and. There's right. no one claiming that I was anywhere close to the offensive talent that Michigan had during that 2021 Big Ten championship year. So regardless of what Iowa does in the portal after spring, he, there's no way Cade McNamara replicates that level of production. I, I don't right. see that happening in any uh, way, shape, or form. Now, they do play an easier schedule than I'm sure Michigan played, most I definitely than Michigan played in 2021 because Michigan yeah. was playing the East. Iowa plays in a West conference that, you know, they, their West division, they don't have to face Ohio state or Michigan this year. So that helps a little bit. He, he he doesn't have anywhere close to the talent yet at Michigan. So that will hurt his numbers. Yeah. All right, Corey. Thanks. Good show. Good to listen to you. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you calling in, sir. (sighs) All right, Derek, one positive Kirk did say eight wins is not the goal. Um, however, did he say that, Derek? I, I guess I missed that. He did tout eight wins for how many consecutive years? So they won. Well, they 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 won six games in 2020, but it was because they only played eight. So we're gonna, I guess, acknowledge that that's that's that doesn't count. They of course won ten last year. They won uh, they won eight this year. Nineteen they won. Ten. Eighteen they won. Eight, I believe, and. In uh, 18, am I correct in saying that? Let's see, they played um, Mississippi State, right? They were seven and five, won that game. Am I correct? They at least won eight or nine games that year with the win over Mississippi State. In 17, they won eight. They were eight and five, won the Pinstripe Bowl, and of course in 14, they were seven and six. So they've been an eight-win team since. I guess I skipped over. I skipped over 16 and 15, but they won. They won 12 games in. Uh, 2015 and in 2016 they won eight they went eight and five right i think i have those numbers correct so they haven't had a non-eight win season 
since 2014 if you throw out the COVID year. And so Kirk touted that today, and it's absolutely absolutely fact. And that is the standard at Iowa. As long as you win seven to nine games a year, sounds like eight's the 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 marker. Then then you're happy. All right, um, we're going to put our next caller on hold. We'll be right back with you, um, and we're going to get to more of your calls and comments here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Going to get a brief word from our sponsor. We'll be right back here. Hawkeye, hang out more of your calls and your reaction to the news today via Kirk Ferentz's press conference that the staff, including Brian Ferentz, expected to return. We'll be right back. Welcome to Iowa Floor Covering, a locally owned flooring store in Bondurant, Iowa that specializes in do-it-yourself projects. If you're a contractor or a DIYer, Iowa Floor Covering has your back. Right now at Iowa Floor Covering, get tough core click together 4.5 millimeter waterproof vinyl flooring for $269 per foot when you install it yourself. That's a much better value than you'll find at any of the big box stores. Looking for other types of flooring? They can help with that too. Between their exceptional product knowledge and commitment to customer service, the guys at Iowa Floor Covering will provide everything you need to complete your DIY flooring project. So what are you waiting for? Skip the box stores now and visit iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. That's iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. Promotional pricing only available with self-installation. Appreciate Iowa Floor Covering for sponsoring the show. As always here, Hawkeye Hangout from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Let's get to who's next. Ryan. Ryan. Are you with us? You're you're muted, Ryan, or your audio is acting up. I can't hear you. Okay. He's he's gonna go fix it now. Now you're muted. Try to unmute yourself. Says you're I'm good, right? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> How you doing tonight, sir? Oh, just lovely. How hey, are you? Hey, I'm great, man. I'm great. You know, uh it was ex- last night you uh I called the basketball show and you asked me uh if I had any predictions for today and yeah, pretty much exactly what I thought would happen. Um, What we learned today is Kirk is happy with eight wins. Um, He's going to die on the hill of Brian. We have an AD in name only who's an absolute bozo the clown when it comes to football. He's absolutely powerless, completely worthless when it comes to any, you know, this whole well, I'm the supervisor of Brian because of nepotism. Well, how does any AD with half a brain that isn't under someone else's thumb have any full faith or any of that other bullshit this guy constantly spews out? Number 30 out of 131. Okay, well, you know what? He was a little better last year, 123. And a little better the year before, I think, what? 111 or something like that. Um, it's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. I'm sure they're going to say, hey, you know what? We got it. Are they going to throw Petrus under the bus? We had a horrible quarterback last year. Now we actually have a great tight end. Well, you had one last year. 
Hey, you know? Ryan, real quick. Let me just throw you, let me just throw you out uh, a conspiracy theory. And you mull it over for a second. What if, and I'm not saying that this is the case, but I, I said weeks ago that I was told on excellent authority that Iowa was preparing for Brian to potentially leave. All right. I stand by those reports. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is what if the press conference today was Kirk saying what he needed to say on signing day. This is a press conference that was going to happen. And if Kirk is going to retain Brian, this is a this is a, a press conference that had to happen for that reason as well, right? This, this, there was no way for them just to blunder into the summer and into spring, into summer, into fall without having that conversation. So this is a conversation you had to have. There was going to be a press conference today due to signing day, but... Decisions in the NFL have not yet been made. Bill O'Brien has not hired a staff yet. So what if Kirk said what he said today in expectation or under the pretense that he doesn't expect Brian to get a job or he doesn't know if Brian will get a job, but Brian ends up getting a job. If if Bill O'Brien calls Brian tomorrow and says, Brian, I want to hire you as my O-line coach, I think Brian probably takes that job. And just because Kirk got up there today and said, I have full faith in Brian, that doesn't mean Brian's not concerned with hurting. Oh, Kirk's not the supervisor. It's Barda. Barda calls those shots. But Ryan, you're missing, you're missing my point. I'm saying, I know I'm saying this very well could be, I'm not, not saying, I think this is what happened. I'm just giving a hypothetical here. This was Iowa's way, Kirk's way of making it appear that Brian leaving is con- is completely his decision. So by them announcing that today that Brian's returning, when Brian leaves in a week, it appears that that was solely his decision. Heck, his head coach, his dad gave him every ounce of um, respect, every ounce of endorsement a week prior. You see what I'm saying? No, I absolutely. Let me just say this. I am not shutting the door yet on Brian leaving as crazy as that sounds after this. And we've been on the air for two hours. I, I'm still not shutting the door on that because I, I, I could very well see if, if Brian somehow gets offered a job, which I don't think is likely, but is possible. He may leave because he doesn't want to ruin his dad's legacy. And Kirk may know that Brian may leave. But Kirk doesn't want to paint it that way. Kirk wants to paint it as, we love him here, but he got a different opportunity. I have two points to that, Corey. Number one, yes, Kirk is a very, very um, influential guy in NFL circles, and he's got his friends, and O'Brien is one of them, Belichick's another, and he's got several more beyond that. The other part of that is two things that are bothering me. Number one, you got the pending lawsuit that one way or another has to get resolved. He's probably unhirable anywhere else but Iowa. Maybe. With with that over the head. I mean, look what happened to Doyle. You know, just, just the allegations alone had him employed in Jacksonville by Urban Meyer for what, 24 hours? 
and and that was done. That very same scenario probably scares the daylights out of Brian and Kirk. You know, if like the New England Patriots hired Brian and that came out, I mean, he would be a on-field coach. Doyle was a on-field strength coach. I think there's a difference between a position coach and a strength coach from a uh, PR standpoint, and that was enough to sink Doyle after one game or one day. The second thing that bothers me is, you know, when there's a, uh, you know, Barta is supposed to be the buffer that is against, that keeps the nepotism, if you will, at bay. And he's absolutely, completely, positively worthless when it comes to that. I felt this way forever and ever, and I will always feel this way. And I just laughed at some of the comments in the basketball chat when you kind of brought up the football. You know, what do you think the presser is going to be like? There were plenty of people who were pretty optimistic that there were going to be some big changes. I mean, I didn't give that one thought because, you know, yeah, I, we're the only school in the country that seems to tolerate complete garbage because we, you know, we how many a think about the offensive coordinators who have been fired over the years. They're fired because, hey, we're a power five school. We only finished in the 40s, and we want to be in the top 20. You're not good enough. We're going to get somebody who can get us there. Iowa fans are hoping against all hope we can just hit the top 100. And I'm so damn sick of this whole, oh, but we win eight games every year, or, hey, look, we had some 10 wins and here and there. Kirk Ferentz, let's face it. I'm going to say the sacrilegious thing that everyone who's a true Iowa fan who understands the truth. Kirk Ferentz is Kirk Ferentz and kept his job as long as he did because the first half of his tenure, he leaned on the back of Norm Parker. And the second half of his tenure, he leaned on the back of Phil Parker. No more, no less. Maybe the exception of 2002 when we actually had a mobile quarterback, runner-up Heisman, good receivers, two great running backs, great tight end in Dallas Clark. We were a, and, and and the best offensive line in school history. We were a well-oiled offensive machine. What do we go? We get away from that formula and we become defense only. Hey, I'm not complaining about our defensive record over the years. And yes, when Joe Schmo is the new head coach of Iowa, I doubt our defense will be as good. But if our offense is better and at least the two units are a little more balanced, I think most Iowa fans will be okay with that. But to be complete dog feces from an offensive standpoint for years and years now, you know, that that, that whole shine is purely Norm and then Phil, except for 2002 and maybe another different year other than that. You know, I mean, I would say in his 24 years, 22 of his offenses have been pretty average to subpar to horrendous. Yeah, they have. And and 
the the narrative that Iowa is a ground and pound successful rushing team is <laughs> not really correct. They haven't really ran the ball well more often than not. They don't because we we have all these starting running backs in the NFL, right? <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. I mean, fair point. Fair point, and that's a probably a big part of the problem because they've had decent lines in that time period, but I think maybe under underachieving tailbacks. No offense. I mean, they've had good ones, right? Sean Green's a really good one. Uh, good Tyler Goodson was a decent back, but I mean, Tyler Goodson ain't tearing it up in the league, nor will he, I don't think, no. uh, against Tyler Goodson. But Caleb, they, I think, has a chance if he has yeah. a decent line. I could see Caleb being a guy that will get drafted in your fantasy football league. And what that means is he's a s- solid second stringer, right? He might even be better than that. I, I really I think he's our best running back since Sean Green, potentially. I think so, yeah. Um, you know, but back, real quick before I go, you know, back to Barta. I just love how he seems like this guy of conviction, and he, he's the end of he, – he's the final decision maker when – He's got to push out that woman's volleyball or softball coach because we're here to compete for Big Ten championships, and that's the expectation, and you're not doing it. But because he's so busy, you know, crawling under the desk of Kirk that he is perfectly fine and has full faith in a guy who has – Went from really bad, what, 100th, 123 last year? Oh, he only goes to 130 out of 131, and he's just got full faith. I'm sure they're telling themselves all night, you know, hey, at least we got a quarterback who went undefeated in the Big Ten now, and we got a great tight end, and, you know, Lachey's a great tight end who I think is going to be in the NFL as well. But this formula sucks. It absolutely sucks, and there is going to be no creativity. And I'll tell you what, if you screw up a quarterback who went undefeated at Michigan and you look like a slight upgrade to Petrus and you call that improvement, I don't know how a donor donor could ever give 50 cents to Bozo Barta ever again. The guy is – he's terrible. He should have been gone five years, seven years ago, you know, when he got himself into all these lawsuits. He's just an absolute you-know-what show. And um, oh, I met him four or five times. Nice guy. Huck it up. You know, makes good money. Get your teeth fixed. You're a clown. Yeah, all right. But look, look, I can't. Uh, Ryan, Ryan. What what do I pride my show on? I pride my show on constructive criticism and not getting personal. Now, if you're gonna rip the guy's teeth, that might be crossing the line. Well, it kind of it kind of comes down to poor decision making, and and well, not making and not making decisions that are obvious. Okay, and right. that's kind of what I mean by that. Sorry about that, Corey, but the guy the guy is just Barbara Wilson. Real quick. Barbara Wilson, she was the interim president at Illinois. She's the one who jettisoned uh, Tim Beckman. And uh, I hope she's got the courage to see just what a clown show is reporting to her. I'm sorry, but the guy, 
Nice guy. Met him. Nice guy. (laughs) Listen, who was the AD at uh, Illinois when Beckman was there? She, oh. uh, Was it she? No, Whitman. No, it's Whitman now. Uh, Guy McPerson face. But she's the one who ultimately had him booted. She made the final call. uh, There were some allegations on how he was treating people, and she got rid of them immediately. And she probably had good reason. So I just just think at some point, performance. (laughs) You know, if you're going to get yourself in lawsuits firing the volleyball coach or the softball coach, I guess it was, at some point, you know, performance matters. And I'm sorry it's Kirk's son, but that – that arrangement should never have been allowed. Gary was supposedly the buffer that allowed that relationship to work because Kirk didn't res- uh, re- he didn't report directly to his dad. But again, one more reason why this is just like how a family business in manufacturing is set up. Ryan, I appreciate your phone call, and you got me two and a half hours in, so I had a problem laughing i'm not laughing at you I just... and i know iowa has an awesome dental plan thank you Corey. <laughs> thank you ryan appreciate the phone call i'm not listen I, I this is not a funny situation but when you're two and a half hours into a show that is just incredible to me i i uh here's the bottom line folks this, if you want to take comfort in anything if you're upset about Brian, I had you know we had a caller. Was it Dean that called in earlier that was kind of defending Brian? I, I you know I've never claimed that Brian is the sole the only issue, but I mean, what happens anywhere else in the country if the offense is sucking? <laughs> you know, so I mean it's again it's not rocket science, but I think he was right. Our caller Dean earlier was right about there are more people involved here, um, but the bottom line is. The fact that I was not making staff changes, it might make you mad. It might aggravate you. It may ruin your day. Take comfort in this. There is more to life than football. And there are bigger things in life than football. All right. The weather outside sucks. Okay. I get that. So we have very little to do in Iowa at times when we're in our downtime. But uh, I have not died yet. I'm still here on this show, so if <laughs> if I if I b- somehow bite the dust this evening and this show goes away, um, somebody else is going to have to be the venting uh, party. But uh, as long as I'm here, I plan on allowing people to vent and be upset while also reminding you that there are things bigger than football. But at the same time, I'll remind you that uh, the situation here is ridiculous with Iowa football. Let's go to Erica, who's been waiting on hold. Erica. Oh, boy. Hello. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm. you know what? I'm living the dream. Sat at my office while I was finishing up work listening to the presser today, and hopefully I didn't swear out loud. I still have a job as far as I know, so that's the good news. Um, good. And also, um, I have a list of stuff, as I always do, and hopefully I'm not going to piss too many people off because I think people are frustrated with me calling in and saying the truth. But at the end of the I, day, I'll, I'll that's just... not... That's not on me. They can. They have the right to their opinion. Yeah. Let me just one one because uh, Ryan was pushing the limits in our last call. Let me just respectfully ask that you 
keep vulgarities out of your rant. You're welcome to rant to whatever extent. Just please keep it PG. I'm usually PG. I don't think I've ever been not, not PG. I think um, you are. I won't talk about teeth, I promise. Although that was a hilarious comment um, that made me laugh. I needed that laugh. So, Ryan, thank you for that call. That was right before me. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so... Yeah, then I got stuck in traffic for 45 minutes. That was great to get eight miles. I love living in Chicagoland sometimes. Um, but anyway, I'm gonna go to my list of stuff. Uh, my first one is, my first question is, does Kirk think we're stupid? I'm serious, um, does he think we're stupid? Like that we're just gonna keep accepting subpar play and that we're gonna accept the excuses that he comes up with that are bogus at best. But Erica, the thing is, is I, I think if you had to if you had to put a gun to my head and I had to answer that question, does he think we're stupid? I would say no. However, I think he's he is not stupid. And I, I think he's confident that the people that matter will still continue to support the program. And I kind of agree with him. That's mm -hmm. the sad thing. Like I don't I, I don't do you really think there's gonna be enough pushback, Erica? Do I? Probably not. However, the question wasn't, is Kirk stupid? I'm not saying he's stupid. I'm asking if he thinks we're stupid. No, I don't, I don't think he does. He just knows he, he can get away with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then that goes back to the same thing again with Barta doesn't hold anybody accountable for anything. So all this is enabled by him. And so I just don't see how it's acceptable. But everyone I was listening while I was driving home too, and everyone's already talked about that. So I'll just go to my next thing. Um, and by the way, the reason I said the comment about does he think we're stupid, like we all can see what's happening here. Most people anyway, I'm not going to say everybody because some people will defend Brian till the death and that's their right. Um, you know, everyone can have their own opinion. I'm not going to deny that to anybody. But that being said, you know, this isn't the first time that Brian had a bad season as OC. Um, and, you know, there's the quote, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So... Kirk isn't stupid. I agree with you on that. But I think the state of this all is insane because we're doing the same thing again and again and again and just hoping that by some miracle, we end up winning more games than we did the previous year. It doesn't work that way. You know, it doesn't work that way. Um, and that leads me to my next question. Um, and this is, I'm not being facetious. I'm not being mean. I'm sincerely asking why, why in the world... And I'm, I'm remembering your don't swear because I wanted to say something else. Why in the world did Cade decide to commit to Iowa? I want to know an answer to that because he obviously has a goal of being in the NFL. Yep, money. That's the only thing I can think of. That is the only answer. That is the only um, realistic answer. He didn't oh, it's, commit it's a because big part, a big part he, of the answer. He didn't commit because we have amazing quarterbacks and that we're keeping, we're, uh, you know, quarterback. We have a legacy of being a quarterback school. That isn't why. That is not why at all. So it's like, it's just about the money. It's all about the money. And, you know, that could be padded by the fact that he went on whatever podcast that was and said, well, Iowa actually has a pretty good NIL program. You know why he knows that? Because he's making all the money. Yeah. So, well, I mean. Keep in mind that, as if I mean, I know you watch the show with Brad Heinrichs. There are two separate funds or pools that I that the Swarm can pull from. And one of them, I mean, the the one does not affect the other. So he's not taking away. I'm not saying you're implying this, but he mm -hmm. he whatever he got paid that does not take away from what the other players get. Does that make right, sense? right, right. No, I understand that. And I'm not saying that is or isn't the case. I don't really have an opinion because, like you said, there's two aspects to it, and I don't know what's what there. So 
I'm not commenting that he's taking money from anybody else or something like that. I'm just saying he came for the dollars, came for the Benjamins, and that's it. Now, can he actually do something here to help us? I mean, yes. he will. He will, Erica. He'll 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 help. I mean, this team, this offense will be better with him. You know, I would hope so. And I also I also am happy that we've gotten some O-line recruits here in the last few days. I think that will help. And, you know, I hope it will be better. Sincerely, I want them to do well. That's why I'm so passionate about all this. You know, I want them to do a good job. Um, but it's just after a year of being a na like national wide laughing stock, like I talk about football, work with some of my colleagues who are also into football. And every week I have to answer what happened. Like, why in the world is this offense so horrible? And I'm just tired of doing it. So, so Erica, you said, I don't have faith in that, Corey. What, what are you talking about? Oh, that was when you said the thing about how he can still get the job in the NFL. And what if we wake up tomorrow? And I think you said Bill O'Brien was the um, coach you mentioned that he could call him tomorrow morning because of the close relationship he's got with Kirk and offer him, you know, some type of TE role or something. I just, at this point, I would, okay, I would love Brian to be gone. I think everybody who watches the zone has heard me talk about it or see my Twitter page knows that. I just don't, I don't have faith in them to do the right thing anymore. I don't have yeah. faith in, the, well, in, and you know, that's the only hope is that Bill O'Brien calls tomorrow and says, you want to be T coach or O-line coach. That's the only hope. Otherwise we're stuck with another subpar OC again. Um, yeah, I, mean, I mean, that, that don't, don't get me wrong. That theory doesn't necessarily, that theory is not necessarily flawless because that would still, that still doesn't explain why Kirk is doubling down on everyone else on the staff, because you could argue that Barnett's uh, job should at least be in question. Kelton Copeland's job should at least be in question. That's true. Those guys aren't, I mean, I'm not aware of those guys taking other jobs. I will say we, we did not get an explanation today. Like we could get a, a an announcement like we got last year, Erica, when Ken O'Keefe, retired what was that right before spring ball mm -hmm. um and all of a sudden now iowa has an extra position available they probably would promote bud meyer and maybe he becomes the passing game coordinator so there could still be a change that that i mean there's time for these things to, i'm the only reason i brought that theory up is because kirk was going to speak no matter what today like signing day was not going to get pushed back simply because brian hadn't gotten that call yet so mm -hmm. Kirk had to address it today. What else was he going to say? Right, because he knew he would be asked about it. He knew he was going to be asked about it. So what else was he going to do but give Brian a flying endorsement while also acknowledging internally, hey, I'm going to endorse my son. And then if he still, if, if he finds a way to get a job, it ain't going to look bad for him. It's looking like he just left because he wanted to pursue another opportunity. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Right. But that is, I don't think that that theory is too foolish. Uh, maybe, maybe I mean, it I'm is. not, I'm not saying that it's like, oh my God, that's not ever going to happen. I'm not saying that. I just, as time goes by and I think someone else, if it wasn't you, someone else said it as time goes by, I'm getting less and less confident in Brian leaving. That's just, that's how I feel about it too. Whoever said that. Um, so. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I, and, and and nobody's arguing that Brian's real hireable. I mean, we've said that a million times that Brian is not very hireable. Um, so, you know, that makes it difficult to for anybody to want to hire uh, Brian Ferentz. But I believe the information that I've been given over the past few weeks that that those conversations have been had, and I believe the 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 uh, reports that I had gotten that indicated that Iowa was preparing for life after Brian Ferentz. So. Mm -hmm. 
either somebody gave either that information was just flat out wrong. And I don't believe that's the case or mm-hmm. Brian hasn't gotten a job yet. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to insinuate that you got any wrong information. That's not at all. Yeah, no, I, I know. I, I'm just saying may, maybe he won't get hired, but maybe he will. Yeah. Like, and you know, too, like you could, you could have gotten that information from whoever your source is, And then five minutes later, the situation could have changed too. Things change all the time, especially sure. in this era. So, I mean, totally like I'm not saying anyone's information or, you know, accounts are false or any of that. Um, but I wanted to talk about another comment. I believe it was Barta. Again, I was at work listening to it. So but I'm pretty sure it was Barta who said about Kirk's, you know, long tenure at Iowa and his big sample size in that and how that's a good thing. And that made me start thinking like, and I, when I was driving home, I was thinking about that comment and I was like, is that truly a good thing? Or is that a detriment at this point? Is that a, a, uh, a problem? Is it a, you know, liability? I'm it starting to think it is. Is what a liability? The fact that Kirk's been here for so long. Because he mentioned about there's a big sample size for Kirk's tenure. And that he's been, you know, he was making the point that he has all this good history at Iowa and that. Remember? Um, well, that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, I mean, Barty used that today to defend Kirk's track record. Um, and that is an easy fallback when questioning Kirk's decision making. The easy way to explain why we're just tr- blindly well, I shouldn't say blindly because he's gonna, he gonna he's gonna argue that it's based on substance but um, our reason as an administration to just put our head down and put faith in the man who's the head coach of the football program is because he's proven himself over the last 24 years and the program has been stable for the most part for 24 years so I understand where he's coming from with that but every era comes to an end right and I'm not saying it's the end of the Kirk era, but to just say, well, we're going to forever have, we have confidence in Kirk. We're going to forever have confidence in Kirk because he's done great things for us for 24 years. I mean, that that's just like, I, I don't even know how to, to, to uh, what to compare to that. Um, that's Gary Barta forsaking his own job as evaluating his employees. I, I don't know. I, that logic doesn't make like what you did 20 years ago doesn't have any impact on what you're doing now. Absolutely. And yeah, I agree with what, you. It, this is a this is a, a sport of what did you do for me lately? Mm-hmm. And sometimes like Nebraska, I think is an example. Maybe programs make quick, um, you know, decisions that are based on maybe more so emotion and quick reaction than anything else. But there are times when programs are slow about making changes and all of a sudden uh, the program is, is driven into the ground. Yeah. And you know um, I'll say this about Hayden Fry. Uh, Hayden Fry left probably a little bit too late. I think he would admit that. I think Don Patterson might admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think we're on that road with Kirk. I really do. And, and listen, Hayden Fry was, I've said this before, Erica, Hayden Fry's situation was different. I was not, I mean, I was barely even alive at that time, but when Hayden Fry towards the end of his tenure, I mean, he was dealing with cancer um, it was just a weird situation. I, I, you know, you feel bad, you look back and you think, you know, what, what does that do to you? Um, I mean, you're, you're trying to combat cancer and you're also trying to coach that I just can't, and, and trying to recruit and all these things. So I'm not giving him a pass, but you know, this situation with Kirk is different mm-hmm. and I have too much, I have too much love for Kirk Ferentz as a person to want to see him dig a hole for himself. And, and that's exactly what he's in the process of doing, I think. Well, he's not going to do I, – I really don't believe he's going to do it this year. That's the thing. Like, I think this is a long-term bad decision because, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, I think they've got a good chance of winning nine to ten games 
as is as, as weird as that sounds. But my concern is what happens in 2024, what happens in 2025. Yeah. If Kirk wants to retire and sail off into the sunset after this season, maybe he'll do that. Maybe Brian will leave and, Look, I don't think that's a very good time for a huge coaching change and a, a coaching search, but Kirk may do that and somewhat preserve his legacy from that respect. But I don't think he plans on leaving after 2023. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a complicated issue for a variety of reasons. But I just don't want to see him dig his own grave as it relates to his legacy. Yeah, and that's in my opinion. I think he started doing that now. I mean, it's it doesn't take rocket science to look at what's going on even as an outsider, especially as an outsider, see what's happening here and just be like, I mean, what's like, without wanting to be funny, what's the upside? Like, what is the upside? I'm serious. What's the darn upside of leaving Brian as the OC other than he needs an income and he hasn't gotten an NFL offer yet. According to Kirk, uh, Brian is uh, an exceptional offensive coordinator. Yeah, I guess he and I will have to agree to disagree on that one. But um, so actually, Kirk out saying his welcome was next on the list. So we covered that already. Um, I saw on Twitter as well, Rusty Van Wetzinga. How do you pronounce his name? He actually left or had a commitment to Southern Illinois and he flipped to us. Can you tell us anything that you know about him? Because I just saw his Twitter post and I don't really know much, except he was committed to Southern. All I know, I, I haven't had a chance to really research him either. All I know is he had FBS offers from, you know, a, a Charlotte Army, Navy, uh, but he's a, he's coming here as a walk-on. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know a ton about him, but, you know, Iowa has had six, plenty of success stories as walk-ons, whether he's a future linebacker, a future fullback. Um, I, I don't know, but, uh, I mean, full, as long as Iowa continues to use the fullback, somebody needs to play the position, so... <laughs> Yeah, as long as we're stuck in like 1980, that's fine. There are times times when you like having a fullback on the field, but I do think that's a little bit antiquated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, That's pretty much all I had, I think, for today. And I think I did well staying calm and not being controversial. I, I, you know, tried, I made a real effort. I was like, when I call in here, I'm not going to start yelling because I know I've done that before. Um, I'm not going to get overly... You know, I'm not going to start swearing, none of that. But I just, I mean, suffice it to say, I just think what went down today was insane. And like either, I can't remember if it was you or a caller who said, for those who committed today or who signed today, the limelight's being taken from under them. That is. And I don't think that's fair. Especially since we got some decent transfers and recruits here. It's not. And I guess you could argue that Kirk could have gone up there and said, we're still evaluating. We don't have any updates, but that would have been the high road to take. And there was somebody who commented in the chat. I've been watching the chat as well about that. This isn't, I don't remember the exact quote, but something about this isn't just about football. It's about integrity. And whoever that was, I 150 million, I think it was this DDB. I don't know what that stands for, but that's the person's name on here. Um, I a hundred percent agree with them. You know, I mean, it's just disappointing, disappointing. So yeah, well, anyway, thank you as always for taking my call. Hopefully I didn't offend anybody because we have some sense no. of people who can't handle the truth sometimes. <laughs> thank you again. Have a good night. Thanks, Erica. I appreciate it. All right. Good stuff, folks. Good stuff. We're going to be right back. One final break, and then we'll head into our last segment, taking your calls, taking your chats, your comments. we got a super chat. We've got callers on hold. 
We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Thank you for being here for the last two hours and 40 minutes. We'll be back with more in a second. Straight from the Man Cave, Kinnick Under the Kitchen. Authentic, original player art prints are being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. From Under the Kitchen's Murray Legacy print, which features former Hawkeye Kenyon Murray, current Hawkeye Chris Murray, and current Sacramento King Keegan Murray, to football players Lucas Van Ness, Tori Taylor, and Cooper DeGene, to wrestlers Tony Cassiope, Alex Marinelli, and Real Woods. Oh, and only one of the greatest athletes to ever compete at Iowa, Spencer Lee. There are so many options available, and they make great gifts. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. It's underthekitchen.square.site. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. Appreciate Under the Kitchen. Randy Engel down in Mitchellville. Great artwork. He, that dude's talented, and uh, he'll get you some authentic Hawkeye artwork for your favorite players. Don't punish the players. They get a portion of the, uh, you know, that's part of the NIL incentive, uh, what Randy's got going on there. So uh, great stuff from Randy down at uh, Under the Kitchen. Of course, check his stuff out on Facebook and on his website. All right, super chat time from DC Hawkeye. Thank you, DC Hawkeye. Says nice show, Corey. Thank you, DC, and uh, appreciate you being here as always. Very much appreciated. Um, Brian says, Corey uh, had to tell you I grabbed the "What's the Upside" shirt after the shout out in the presser. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Like your your profile picture. Cool, cool uh, picture of uh, Chris Street. Yes. Uh, thank you for grabbing the "What's the Upside" shirt. That is available. I should promote my merch better, right? We've got Hawkeye from the Hawkeye of the Storm merch. We've got That's Football merch. We've got What's the Upside merch. Great stuff. Thank you for the super chat, Brian, and for your uh, Iowa for, uh, from the Hawkeye of the Storm merchandise purchase. Yes, All right. Our caller on uh, the phone line has been waiting for like 40 minutes. Thank you for calling Hawkeye Hangout. Who's on the line? Hi, this is Paul. Hey, Paul. So hold on. Let me shut the television off. So I'm right. looking at you and in wrong time. Um, You're good. Let's see. Let me put my speaker on my phone, Corey, because I've got a couple of facts I'd like to share with you that's, that's just not the emotion that, that everybody is kind of throwing out over and over. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Be patient one second. Sure. Okay, speak. okay. Here we go. So here's my thoughts. Um, when I hear people I guess, first of all, I'm going to start with, I'm going to say, in KF, I trust. I've watched him for 24 years, as we all have, and and he has shown me time and time and time again, he is an expert at what he does. He's one of the top coaches in the country. When you hear other coaches talk about him, you never hear a bad word. And I go to a neuro, neurologist to have my brain checked. I, I go to a gastroenterologist to have my stomach done. I mean, these football coaches have so much more knowledge than any of us layman fans. I, I think it's arrogant for us armchair quarterbacks to sit back and think we know better than they do. And, and so I, I would just throw that out there. Number one, I don't think there's 13 coaches sitting in a room trying to figure out how can we best screw this up? And I think if, if it was all about Kirk keeping Brian, number one, I don't think Kirk would do that to his program. When you see him bust into tears over Jack Campbell, you know how much he cares about these players and his program. 
And I don't think 12 other coaches sitting in the room would allow him to torpedo the program for his son. If, if, if it's about his son getting paid $900,000 a year, they have so much generational wealth, the Ferences do, that his family's taken care of for years. So that's, that's my twist on, on that piece. I'll just say I'm a fanatic. That's why I'm a fan. I'm a fanatic, and it's not about a coach. It's about the team. So I'll, I'll, I'll ride my Hawkeyes during the ups and during the downs. Well, let me ask you so a quick get, question before you hang up. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, because I've got a couple. I got a couple bullets I want to share with you that I think would surprise fans. Sure. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I'm just curious. You 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 mentioned all the armchair court quarterbacks, and obviously there's a lot of fans, a lot of opinions, a lot of emotional fans. I'll give you that. I'm not d- disputing that by any means. Have you watched our show with Coach Don Patterson? Yes. Yes, so, I have. And so yes, you you'll know that you'll, you'll know that that uh, this show is based on. This is a call-in show today, right? We're interacting with the right. fans. But the right. the lifeblood of this programming, this channel, is getting people who understand the sport better than I do, better than we as fans do, here to comment. Coach Patterson has been very clear on the offensive struggles. So we're going to have him on in the next couple yep. of weeks. But uh, anybody, I, I'll take Don Patterson's expertise up against just about anybody as it relates to quarterback play. Yeah. And as it relates to the offense. I hear you. I absolutely hear you. I guess it's always to me, it's the chicken or the egg. I think it's players. I think Spencer was below average. I think our offensive line was young and inexperienced. And we didn't have wide receivers. We had two leaving the portal. We had numbers get injured. You know, we were down to a number of five, six receiver at a time. So I don't care what play Brian might have called. I don't think our players were able to execute to get things done. So some people may say it's Brian and play calling. I'm going to say it's players and execution. Okay. Well, here's um, my question. Here's my question. Why are yep. there problems across the board personnel wise? Who's, who's in charge of recruiting? Who's in charge of developing all no, those things. And that's, that's an entirely different question, which I agree with you. I agree with you. How is that a the, different question? Hold on a sec. Why is that a different question? We're talking about, we're, we're not, we're talking about accountability. We're not just talking about play. I never have said the sole issue is play calling. It's a part of the issue, but so is development, evaluation, all those things. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's, but I see um, coaching players in the, in, in, in the, in the building differently than getting players into the building. So I, I could argue, I but could argue they, okay. I agree with you. Are we getting the right players in the building? But I think our coaches have shown that I believe opinion of one that they coach our players up. I see our players get better. And if that's the walk on who becomes the all American or the three star that, that gets drafted in the NFL, I think we have talented coaches. Um, but I, I, I'll give you your, your, your point of, of, uh, is it recruiting and is it who we're bringing into the building? Um, okay, so, well, let's just remember, I, I, I know you're not denying this, and I appreciate you having a a, a, a docile conversation and debate with me because, uh, you know, I've had people call in trying to argue in favor of, you know, keeping Brian and they're talking over you, and I just, I can't have that. So, appreciate you having a, a legitimate right. conversation with me, but... Well, I'll let me give this. you let me give you a couple let me give you a couple numbers I think. Sure, but hold hold on. Let me just people. let me just add one thing in here. I just want to remind sure. you and you know this of course because you you obviously have followed Iowa football and college football for a long time. But recruiting is equally as important as Absolutely. developing as it is to 
play calling. So that's all part of the job description. So, <laughs> I mean, absolutely, we're, we're not just absolutely. pointing the finger at play calling or at developing or evaluating. Recruiting is a big part of this too. And if the yep. personnel there is either not performing because they're not being coached and that falls on the coaches, or if they're not performing because they're not good enough, that's on the coaches for not recruiting well enough. Yep. I agree. I hear you. I hear you. So let me give you a couple other numbers. These okay. kind of blew me away. The other day I had a friend who's a huge Alabama fan sent me a thing that was on the Alabama website. The number of teams that have had eight wins or more since 2015, six teams, only six teams have won eight games or more since 2015, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio state, and Iowa. So we can all yell and scream, Oh my God, eight wins. And, we can't settle for eight wins, and, and we think that's a low tide mark. Well, there's 100 and what 125 other teams. That well, hold on, can you can you can you real quick? I don't mean to interrupt you. Can you read that list back to me again? Yes, this is what was sent to me. Yep. Um, on from a Rick Rick Webster's Twitter feed, teams that have won eight games or more since 2015. Okay. Georgia, Alabama. Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, and Iowa. So I guess my point would be, of course we want nine and ten win seasons every year. Of course we want to be in the top ten every year. But the reality is there are 131 teams with a lot of good talent, with a lot of good coaches. They're trying to do the same. And I would suggest we are doing some things at a very high level. I know we don't always win the West. I know we haven't won a Big Ten championship in a while. But when you put it in that kind of company, you go, man, that's pretty rarefied air in the last few years. Um, another number I will give you um, that, that kind of blew me away. The teams that have – the, 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 the team – let's see, how do I say this? Um, a list of the FBS teams that have had at least 10 consecutive seasons with a winning record. A list of the FBS teams that have at least 10 consecutive seasons with a winning record. Boise State, 25 seasons in a row. Wisconsin, 21 seasons in a row. Oklahoma State, 17. Alabama, 15. Clemson, 12. Georgia, 12. And then it's our Hawkeyes. So you look at that and you say, okay, uh, where's Washington? Where's USC? Where's UCLA? Where's Nebraska? Where's, you know, all the other blue breads? Where's Florida? Where's Miami? Where's Notre Dame on any of these lists? So I know it's very easy to get emotional about our bucket maybe being less than full, but I just look at it and say, Turk is in the top four coaches now in the Big Ten with Woody and, and, and Bo and Amos Alonzo's bag. He doesn't luck into that after 24 years. you got to perform at a consistently high level to continue the tenure to have that type of success. And there's only six teams out of 131 that have won eight games. And there's, what did I just give you, uh, seven, eight, eight teams that, that haven't had, that have had 10 years of winning record. I mean, those are some pretty powerful stats. So 
Yes, I wish we had a better quarterback. Yes, I wish our offensive line was better. Yes, I wish we scored more points. You know, and I, I don't think any of those things are up for debate. But if we step back and, and, and kind of step away from the emotion and look at some of the objective facts, um, man, our team's performing at a pretty high level that probably 120 other programs in the country wish they were performing at the consistent level we have over the last two decades. So I'll tell you, I make sense what you're saying. Let me respond with this. So you are clearly part of the fan base that is glass half full at all times. And that's great. I mean, being positive is, (laughs) is, is fantastic in every aspect of life. Not just when we're talking about college football, which really in the grand, in the grand scheme of things means very little, but right. um, Right. When you're looking at, when you're looking at wins per season, right. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. When you say, that the majority of fan bases would love to have the stability and would love to say they've won at least eight games for every year, minus the 2020 year where they won six because they didn't play a full schedule uh, since what, 2015, uh, 2015, right? That's right. the, was that the, 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 uh, that was the time frame we were looking at 2015 to 2022, correct? Yeah. So I guess my, my question is, and you, you kind of stole my, my thought before I even said it. You brought up Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Michigan. I'm just curious, do you know how many combined conference championships those teams have? Combined. Oh yeah, you're you're spot on. I would guess sure. like I, I would I don't know this and and I've got Kyle who's who's waiting on hold, he's researching it, but I would guess it's around like I don't know, 20 would be my guess. Uh, I mean, yeah. Ohio State and Michigan have dominated the Big 10. Alabama and Georgia yeah. have dominated the SEC. Clemson has dominated yeah. the ACC. Georgia, Bama, Georgia. Clemson, Ohio State. Those are the teams those are teams that are winning national championships every single year. And Michigan's made yeah, the college I, football playoff the last 2 years. So when you bring up 8 or I, 9 games, you're absolutely right. The stability is incredible. And you have to acknowledge when you look at the numbers which are data points and 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 numbers just similar to the numbers you just gave me. The numbers suggest that Iowa is not far off from being able to have right. success similar to those teams. That's the frustration. We talk about emotion. You're right. It's emotional. But that is also fact. That's based on data. Iowa has a defense that can compete at the national level. And you have every right to feel happy with what Kirk Ferentz is achieving here and the stability yeah. over the last eight years. But but I'm just saying you, you got to be tolerant of the fans out there that say, look, uh, it's great, but why can't we be great? Why, why, why is this so hard? We're so close, and yet there seems to be a satisfaction with being just good. That's where fans well, are. I don't think it's just emotion. Maybe, well, maybe that's, a, maybe that's a, the, the, the definition of good and great. I'm going to suggest we're great. Then, then now, what are, are what, what are those other teams that we just talked about that you compared Iowa to? What, what if the, if we're great? Then what are those other are those other programs that are winning well, championships? So for example, for example, in in the, the two numbers I just gave you, Oklahoma is not on the list. Notre Dame is not on the list. Florida State, Florida, Miami's not on okay. the list. Texas okay. isn't on the list. Texas A and M's not on the list. Texas Tech's not on the list. Arizona, okay. Arizona State, USC, UCLA, Washington, Colorado. Nebraska, Oklahoma. I mean, so I we're talking about rarefied air, and and I, I guess I would semantically say I hear exactly what you're saying, Corey. And can we be an outstanding program? 
Because in my heart, I believe we're a great program because there's 125 programs that are good or, or, or less than that. So okay. I don't know sure. if, if, if you give that top echelon an A, those top 10 programs in the country, we get a B. But hell, there's a lot of country teams that are C's, D's. Sure. Oh, okay. You know. There you, you just hit the nail on the head, and, and I respect your opinion, but I think what you just said is absolutely right. A B is not great. In, in right. no time right. in, in my years of, of attending any right. level of, of schooling right. was a B great. Right. But you're exactly right. I, I, that well, the lots of people, the people in the F range, the D range, the C range would love to have a B. But I mean, yeah. you just yeah. what Kirk did today, and he did the exact same thing you did, bringing up the fact that Iowa's been stable with eight or more wins since 2015. You're comparing t- to Iowa to teams who have been A programs because they're winning yeah. championships. They're they're making the college football playoff. Iowa's not winning championships, and minus 2015, they haven't even been close. They've won two West titles since they've won two West titles. Since the divisions formed, what, what, 2012, they won two West titles. And the one game, of course, in 2015, they were undefeated, very close to making the playoff. They got killed in the, in the Rose Bowl, but they were still 11-2. and two. You can't take that, or excuse me, 12-2. and two. You can't take that away from them. But as you know, they got killed last year in the Big Ten Championship game. So they've had one year where you could say that they've com- even competed for a Big Ten Championship. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that. And that's... That's going to be difficult when you have Michigan and Michigan State. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Penn, State, Penn State's not even in what we're describing here. You know, so in the other side of it is, come on, Corey, if you were, if you were a four-star, five-star, would you go to freaking Iowa? I grew up in four cities. I went to school at Luther, okay? If I was a four or five-star player, would I go find the sunshine down south? Yes, Would I go to probably. Alabama to try and compete for a national championship or at least know I have a better chance of doing it? If I'm a top-rated basketball player, am I going to Duke or am I going to Iowa if I get the call? You know, so I, I guess I look at it again, glass half full, that our coaches are tremendous with what they do. And they, they, they bring in great players, and I think they've developed players. I, I truly believe they develop players. Um, but you know, you got to kind of separate that difference between outstanding and great and, and some of those, because even some of those blue bloods, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, I mean, look what Nebraska, they made a wrong decision, what, 15 years ago? And they've went through how many coaches? You're right. Five, six? Yes. And they haven't done squat. You're right. They done, and they, yeah. they haven't done a squat, you know? So I, so I get the emotion and, and I'll finish on this note. I do agree with you. It saddens me when our defense, Phil Parker, there is no way he should not have been a, 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 a Broyles Award winner somewhere along the line. Um, I agree. And, and then you look at our special teams and what they've done. So two of the three phases, we are playing at an outstanding level. And it's frustrating that our offense does limit us from being a, a great team to an outstanding team. You know, because they yeah, definitely definitely dragged us down, no question. But I would suggest it's been on the players more than the coaches because so I let don't me just, care what play Brian calls. Yeah. It, it's tough. So I want to so, ask you, you said our coaches are doing a great job. Do you believe Brian Ferentz is doing a, quote, great job? Um, That's a good question because I do think it's difficult to 
I'm not standing on the sideline with him. Okay. You and I are standing at the sideline. He calls the play to run off tackle. Well, if you and I really know what the play call was and you and I truly understood what the blocking patterns were, did, did Brian run the wrong play into the wrong defense or did the guard and the tackle miss their, miss their blocks? And cause you know, it's, it's those kinds of things. I mean, I've noticed in games where Kirk will say it from the podium that our new freshman running back, he does a great job running, but he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, if you go back and look at some of the tape, and again, I'm an armchair quarterback, he missed key blocks on passing attempts where he didn't pick up blitzers. And now it looks like it's on the offensive line or on Petrus because Petrus didn't have time to make the throw. Well, it's because the freshman back was covering the wrong side and didn't pick up the blitzer on the other side. And, you know, so I think it's really hard for us to determine, again, chicken or the egg. Did Brian make the wrong call or the players not executing the play? But again, I would like their, go- their lack of execution ultimately boils back to coaching. That it does. And recruiting. That it does, which then, which then to your point, that goes back up to recruiting. Well, but partially, but not completely. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. And by the way, I'm just going to say this. I I appreciate Kyle giving us this information. Let me just read this to you. I know you know this already, but those five teams that you you, you, uh, compared Iowa to Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, those five teams have 22 division titles since 2015. (laughs) They've got 20 20, uh, possible conference championships. In other words, they've been in conference championship games. 14 of the possible 16 national championship game appearances and six yeah. of the eight possible national titles. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What's the biggest difference between Alabama, Georgia, and Iowa? What's the biggest difference? Well, let's throw Michigan. Why don't we throw Michigan and Ohio State in the mix? I know what you're going okay, to say. Proxi- you're going to say recruiting base and proximity in the country locale i get you're going to say that yeah i I, i'm going to say five stars because it's amazing what we're doing with jack campbell i I agree i agree but jack campbell plays defense jack campbell plays defense yes 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 where 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 are the success stories where are the success stories of developing two and three star guys at wide receiver at quarterback at running back where are the success stories there I'll go back to my point earlier that if I'm a Duke caliber basketball player, am I coming to Iowa? Then why are okay? Alabama, no, I understand that, sir. But what I'm saying I'm is, you're Alabama. No, no, no. If I'm an you're Alabama touting, quality, you're you're touting sorry, Iowa's ability to develop. You brought up Jack Campbell. He's a two star guy. They didn't need to recruit a five star guy to get a five star player because they developed one. They're not developing yeah. those guys on offense. They're developing them on defense. They're not doing that on offense. So if your theory is correct then you would just say, okay, well, we should be able to develop like we do on defense, but they don't. They don't develop skill position guys, minus tight end play. So so to the conversation we're having, is a piece of this Doyle? Because I agree with one of the Maybe. callers typed in at the bottom. You know, there may be, is it coincidence that since Doyle left, our offensive line has taken a couple steps backward? You, and is it physicalness? Yeah. Is it toughness? I'm not going to debate that. I think that's very possible that he's a part of it. I, I, I acknowledge that. I've, I've, I've said that on, on, you and I are not going to argue on that point because I think that's possible. I will say, though, that the narrative that Iowa runs the ball well for 
you know, in throughout Kirk's tenure has been incorrect, has been false. And even go back to 2019, they were porous. Yeah, I agree. On the interior of that I line, agree. Chris Doyle was still a part of the program then. So I don't know that that argument completely holds water. I think there's a lot of reasons yeah. for the issues. Brian Ferentz is not the only problem. But I'm simply saying, how else do you evaluate an OC if you're not if you're not recruiting well, you're not developing your talent well, you're not uh, you're <laughs> you're not uh, your total your total offensive rankings are porous. Basically, every metric out there has is, is been terrible these last yeah. two years. Uh, how else are we evaluating? You say, well, we're not in the sidelines with them. Well, what other piece of evaluation? We're just gonna we're supposed to sit back and just listen to Kirk say, well, I've evaluated him, and well, according to my metric system, he's doing great. Now, maybe I misunderstood, but I was listening to the Hawkeye, Hawkeye, is it hot? Hawkeye hotspot with Dockerman? I don't know. I, I don't listen to it, so I, you might be right. Okay. Scott Dockerman with The Athletic. He broke down Iowa offense um, all the way back to like 2014. And if you look at, um, I think it was in 14, 15, 16, 17, we were like a 50, number 50 offense. When we had Hawkinson and Fance, we were number six in the country um, in red zone offense. I, be- so, I believe that. It goes a little bit back. To, I'm sorry. I, I said I believe that. And it goes back to players. You know, now is that Hawkinson the two star that got developed, or Fant the four star that was a stud? Tight ends. You know, I, tight ends. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I get frust- where I get frustrated, but I understand my frustration is that. If I could do one thing to make Hawkeye football better, it'd be on the offensive side of the ball to get some four and five star skill players. And I just don't know if I'm a skill player, I'm going up to the Midwest in the snow in a pro style offense, um, in a small little white state, you know, that just, I don't know. I think it's very difficult to pull some of the skilled talent players in that we obviously haven't gotten for years and years and years and years and years. And I don't, I don't disagree with you on that. And the last thing I'll say, cause I do need to, to move on. And I appreciate you yep. having a conversation with me in a, in a dignified manner. I agree with you that that is difficult. That, that's a difficult ask, but I do not believe that it's impossible to recruit substantially better than this staff recruits. I do believe yeah. that, that there is that what Don Patterson has said on this show about how Iowa, there's no sports team, there's no pro sports team in Iowa, and it's like the Dallas Cowboys right. of Texas. There is something to be right. said for that. And yes, the weather is bad, but the weather's also bad in Michigan at times. And weather's been bad in Nebraska, and Nebraska was a dynasty in the nineties. I know things have changed. I get that. But I I I don't necessarily agree with the idea that we just have to throw our hands up and say, well, we're never going to get four and five star recruits. So we better, we might as well not even try as long as we don't make a change with the coaching staff. You're never going to know because we've had the same coaching staff recruiting or not recruiting those skill position players for the last 24 years. So we'll never know who's right or wrong on that until we get a change. Let me give you one last 30 seconds. I'll be brief and I'll get off. Not to defend Barda, not to defend Barda because I've never met the man. I but just looking from a distance, okay? Look at Lisa Bluter. Tell me how successful that program is. Look at Kirk Ferentz, all the numbers we just talked about. Look at McCaffrey. They just won the Big Ten Championship. Look at Brands. They're always top one, two, three in the nation. Look at what track has done recently, baseball, even women's soccer. 
So I hear people can get upset about brands because I think we get too caught up in the nepotism thing. Because I, my humble opinion, I do not believe Kirk or the coaches in the room would allow him to keep his son on board if his son was, was, you know, not, I don't know, not good. But I, I, so I say just step aside again and look across the Iowa athletic program. And I have a hard time naming any other Big Ten school that, it, that, that is performing across the major sports consistently like we are. So, again, I've never met the man. I don't know Barta from a hole in the ground. But um, I think objectively, if you rationally looked at how those teams have performed, they're always in the top number. I think they, they've done done a good job. So I'll hang up with that. Uh, Corey, quick, I love your show. What, what did you say your name? Was you, you, you say your name was Brian? You anything offline? What, what was your? Did you say your name was Brian? No, this is Paul. Oh, Paul, Paul. from Paul from Four City. Paul from Luther. So, okay. Um, well, good is, good to meet is, you, is Paul, any, and I do appreciate you having a civil conversation with me. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any way to send you anything offline or email or? Uh, you mean like an, like a message? Is that what you're talking about? Information or what? Yeah. Well, I've got a number of these little stats that I think are pretty enlightening that <laughs> just like the one I just shared with you about Alabama sure. or the number of seasons, you know, staying over 500. Yeah. My, my, pretty my Twitter DMs, my Twitter DMs are open. So that's pr- primarily how okay. I communicate with people. Perfect. Gotcha. Thanks, Corey. So, Great. Thank show. you, sir. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> that was an interesting. I know people in the chat are not happy. They wanted me to hang up. He was having a respectful conversation. I, I don't I don't agree with most of what he stands for, but I understand his perspective, and that's a perspective that some fans have. I think he's in the minority. I do think he's in the minority now. Let me get uh, through a couple super chats here. Lomansky, thank you for this. Dear Mr. Barda, high on the Mount of Indecision, lie the bones of millions who in the sight of victory pause to rest. And resting died. Please retire. Dear Mr. Barta. <laughs> Thank you, Lomansky. Appreciate the super chat. Um, Takun or Takin. I'm sorry I missed this until now. This is not my intention. I got your super chat, but it, you know I've got a, a million messages here I'm trying to siphon through. Want to start off with some positivity. I've been watching you all year, Corey. Thank you for all your hard work and dedication. And at least now we know... The line, as long as we win, Brian stays. Thank you for that, Tacoon or Tacken. I wish I knew how to pronounce your handle. Appreciate that super chat, ma'am or sir. Very much appreciated. Uh, let's move to Brian. I think we grabbed it. We, we mentioned this one already about the What's the Upside t-shirts. Yes, they are available right now. Merch link in the description below. Erica. So the coaches are making bank thanks to our money and we can't criticize. You can't be serious. You're blaming recruiting, et cetera. Who's in charge of recruiting the players? We'll say football program, the, the Kirk Ferentz apologist, Erica would tell you, and they're right that uh, the coaches are not paid with tax dollars, but still a public institution. And I don't disagree with what you just said. DC Hawkeye. Nice show, Corey. Thank you. Appreciate that DC Hawkeye. And thank you for being a, a generous, a generous supporter of the show. I've been on here over three hours. I knew it was going to be a long show. Didn't know if it'd be this long, but uh, last few calls have gotten me riled up. I appreciated this comment in the chat. Um, Let me see here. 
Where is the con? I really appreciated this comment in the chat. If I can possibly find it. Um, Brian says, I'd like to point out like a good running back, Corey gets better in the fourth quarter. So if you ever watch Derrick Henry run, the guy gets better in the fourth quarter. I, I agree with that, Brian. I've always been impressed by that. So uh, I agree. I, I've kind of I've kind of loosened up a little bit. And uh, I think part of it is, is I'm a few hours removed from that press conference. I think the first couple hours of the show, I did feel like I was kind of struggling a little bit because although I do try to be objective on here and I've made my stance very clear, even in non-emotional moments, it is easy to get upset. And, uh, you know, it, again, there's so many things in this world that are bigger than football, but you, you know, you invested in Iowa football and it's part of my work and it's part of my pleasure. So yeah, you get a little emotional and that can affect you. Thank you that for that comment, Brian. I did enjoy this. Uh, I did enjoy the the laugh. Dom, thank you as well. Um, okay. Erica, this caller's arguments don't hold water. And she adds, why should we limit ourselves to mediocrity? Thank you, Erica, for the, Two more super chats, and um, you know where I stand on it, Erica. So, can you imagine if we made if if I let two people two should I do that? Should I let two callers debate? Like if we had Erica on hold and I brought her in with that guy on the phone? <laughs> can you imagine that? <laughs> Just all melee breaks loose on this show. That'd be great. Um, Mike, thank you for the super chat. How big of a super chat do you need to hang up on this clown? The only reason I'm reading it is because it's a super chat. I'm not calling Paul a clown. That's Mike who said it. But I appreciate the donation, Mike. And it would take a lot more than $4.99. Forgive me. <laughs> Especially since YouTube takes 70%. YouTube, or excuse me, 30%. YouTube takes 30% of super chat donations. Just a fact. Uh, thank you, Mike, for the super chat. JT says, uh, well, no, this is not a comment. But thank you for becoming a YouTube member, JT. Appreciate you becoming a premium subscriber. You can do that by clicking the join button next to uh, the channel name. Am I missing any super chats? If I missed your super chat earlier, please let me know and I'll try to find it. Brian, I missed this one. Brian says, how did we, how did we do offensively when we had only, uh, we only had Sam Brownlee in the running back room. See, that was what 2000, was that 2002? That was so long ago, man. I, I was, I was like six years old in 2002. Seriously. So, um, I'd have to go back. It was two th- somewhere around there, right? 2002, they were actually a really good um, offense, but I- I'd have to look at the the, uh, the data points, the, uh, the stats for that year. All right, let's get to... Appreciate the, the super chat, Brian. Let's get to Kyle, who's been on hold forever. And thank oh. you for doing your research, Kyle. <laughs> During the well, last... Well, well uh, you know... That that was an interesting little conversation to listen to, but I we, we do have to let him know that he, he did do his research, but research goes both ways, so we have uh, we have some of our own as well. I, I and 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 I know people are going to say, well, Corey, you always fall back on Coach Patterson. Yes, I do, I do, because yeah. when people say, well, you're an armchair, court, you don't know what you're talking about. Have you ever played Division One college football? No, I haven't. <laughs> um, but again, that's why. I love having Coach Patterson on, and, and we're going to have him on because I, I don't know how you, unless you're, I'm trying to think of like, unless you're like Nick Saban or unless you're like, how are you going to argue with what Coach Patterson, how is a fan going to call in and argue with what Coach Patterson has to say? I, I listened mean, to that man talk football for about five minutes, and I'll, I, after that, I said, I'm, I'm going to defer to him forever. It doesn't matter what his titles are. You, all yeah. you have to do is listen. Uh, Coach Patterson has forgotten more football 
yep. while sleeping than, <laughs> than we have learned football in our entire lives. I, I, I believe that, honestly. And that's why, you know, again, this show would not be the show unless it was him. This is a show with just the callers, but this would not be here if it wasn't for, for Coach Patterson. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to comment, Kyle. I, can I just yeah. get to the super yeah, chat? Go for it, yeah. Don't let me debate on air. I spent too much on beer studying in Iowa City. Thank you, Lemansky. Appreciate the super chat. Uh, he's he's uh, given several today, so I appreciate that. All right, Kyle, what do you got? Um, okay, so I want to frame something for you just to have a little bit of fun here. Um, if I told you, okay, you're you're Corey, you're you could be the head football coach, you could be the offensive coordinator, or whatever. Just uh, imagine you're in that position, all right? Um, if I told you your game planning for a team, and this team is coming into town, and this team averages, uh, this team has the 129th ranked offense in terms of yards per game. This team averages 14 points a game and is 128th in uh, scoring offense. Uh, this team has 170 yards per game through the air, which is 120th nationally. Uh, and they rank 100th in rush yards, which is, I think, 115th or 117th nationally. Uh, they have a, what is that? They have about a 75% chance of scoring one or fewer touchdowns. How would you feel about preparing for that game? Well, if that's all I knew, um, I would probably feel pretty good because it's hard to, I would think it would be almost impossible, not impossible, but next to impossible for that other team that I don't know much about to have a defensive unit that could possibly make up for the inadequacies of the offense. That would okay. be my, my take. The, uh, the team that I just described is if you take Iowa's defensive stats and you put them on the NCAA offensive charts. So that's what you get if you take Iowa's yards per game allowed, points per game allowed, passing yards per game allowed, rushing yards per game allowed, and you flip it. Instead of putting it on the defensive charts, you put it on the offensive charts. That's what you get. So that's the average offense that we play on a week-in, week-out basis. So it sounds that's why it sounded eerily similar to what the Iowa offense is doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, it, basically, every, every game that we play, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, the formula is – winning close games, right? That's what they did all yeah. year is they won close games. So as great as the defense is, it, it's almost impossible for the defense to be so good that you you blow teams out because the offense is that bad. The only way you're going to win games with that, with, with that bad of an offense is by playing picture-perfect defense and winning close games. And somehow, some way, Phil Parker and LeVar Woods have pulled that off. Yeah. And I, and yeah, again, I, I saw those stats and like with them flipped on the offensive charts. And literally the thing that occurred to me is like our defense is so good and our special teams are so good, but that's, that's different. But our defense is so good that we're essentially playing Iowa's offense every week and we still can't win 10 games, 11 games, go to conference championships, et cetera. Well, see, what you just said, though, is exactly the point. And you, you brought up special teams and dismissed it. But that is we're basically looking at apples to apples there when you compare again what Iowa's defense is allowing with what Iowa's offense produces so what's the tiebreaker why is Iowa winning more than they're losing it's special teams they're yeah. they're winning that unit almost every week too and as Don Patterson has talked about more often than not the analytics say across the Big Ten landscape if you're winning two of the, the three major units you're gonna win most games and that's yeah. what Iowa does as bad as the, the offense is 
They're winning two of the three units. So the coaching staff has said, as Kirk said today, they're really not interested in changing the offense because they can get away with it because the other two units are elite. That's basically what they're, they're not interested in really upgrading the offense. That's basically what they said. It's not like Kirk went up there today and said, I believe Brian's going to make this offense really good. He never said that. I don't think he believes that's the case. He believes that they can be better than what they are, and that'll be good enough. Yeah. In fact, he believes what they're doing is good enough, right? Because he kept pointing to the eight-win marker. So, you know, that's the standard. And I guess, uh, you know, I, I personally think the special teams is down to LeVar Wood's great coaching, but I guess uh, our previous caller would probably say that it was just players making plays, right? Because when players miss blocks, it's it's not on coaching. So when they make good plays, it can't be coaching either, right? Right, and he, he did comment on Phil Parker. So yeah. if we give Phil Parker credit, shouldn't we also give Brian Ferentz substantial blame? Exactly. <laughs> um, and the, the only other stat that I saw there, too, because Barta, Barta was asked about um, about the scoring offense the last two years, and he said something along the lines of – I may misquote him slightly, but he said something along the lines of, like, uh, I think something getting lost in all of this is, like, we've had two rough years, but the four years before that, we actually did all right uh, scoring-wise. And then he referenced that we scored in the mid-20s for the last four seasons in points per game before the last two years. Um, and the funny part about that was he told on himself because he didn't realize in saying that comment, cause you know, 25 points a game doesn't sound too bad, but if you go back and look at those years, they were in the top 40 once and they averaged worse than 70th nationally for those years. So right. he's saying, I've got these four years to back up this dude. He just had two bad years, in but his point, four good years were average. You're giving me points per game numbers. That's points per game, and that even includes defense. Right. So you're. So do you have the numbers in front of you from? Go back. Um, I can. I can pull them up quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Pull up. Pull up because we always talk about total offense, and then people always debate me on it. And that's fine. It's not the perfect metric, but I would be curious to hear the because I haven't looked at this recently. But if we're going to talk points per game, which is not the perfect metric, let's at least have an a upfront conversation. Does points per game support the cause that Brian has done? Well, because basically Kirk uh, Kirk put Brian in the same boat as Phil as far as performance today. That's basically what he said. Yeah. So I've got him at uh, 40th in 2020. It just or Actually, no, just in the top 40. 39th at 31.8. I'm not taking that away from him. But it was a COVID year. They ran exactly. the ball exceptionally well. Wisconsin was awful. Uh, I mean, it was weird. I, I'm not taking that. You can't put an asterisk there. But it, you kind of do. I mean, it was just a, Michigan State was terrible. They were on the schedule. Iowa yeah. didn't have to play Ohio State. Didn't have to play Michigan. Penn State was bad that year. It was a weird year. I, and I would I would argue too the the biggest disqualifier about that year is going on the road and not having to play in road environments. It's a lot easier to score points without the opposing uh, crowds to disrupt signals and all that kind of stuff that Kinnick does to opposing teams. Yeah, um, absolutely. But they, yeah, and they absolutely a factor. So then, if we go to the previous year, uh, twenty nineteen, they were seventy ninth in the country uh, at twenty five point eight points a game. So that was twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. Uh, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Oh, there we go. We got back in uh, back in the top forty. So I was wrong. They they were thirty ninth again, uh, at thirty point six points a game. Uh, so that's that's all right, but that was that was the Fant Hawkinson year that the caller was talking about, where we were 
the anomaly we just, was we were good. We in the can't red zone. throw that out. We can't throw that year yeah. out. But we also have to remember the numbers that you're reading right now are also relative to the defenses, uh, the defense scoring and special team scoring. Right. So there's no question the yeah. offense is better. Nobody's debating the offense was was substantially better in 17, 18, 19. What we are arguing is that it was not it was not um I don't even know what the numbers would be if you were to take out is there even a, a stat out there that takes out defensive and special team scores? I'm not sure there is. No, right. I but but you could argue. I mean, we we had those last uh certainly 2020 you could argue Charlie Jones had what two or three punt returns. Uh, 2021. I know he had a kickoff return and a couple. I mean, 20, 2020, yeah, 2021. The first game of the season, they had two pick sixes from Riley Moss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, we, that's anecdotal evidence. I understand that. What I'm saying is those numbers. If you just look at those numbers flat out, that would indicate okay, those those offenses were decent. They weren't top 25. They weren't top 30, but they were top 50. Um, you know, what you said 2018, and what was 2017? Uh, 2017, 2018 was probably better too. Cause they scored points that year. It was the Ohio state game, the Iowa state game. You, if you include the Ohio state game, which had a pick six in it and 55 points, they were 59th naturally at 20, 28.2 points per game. So with a big, a big yes. anomaly game and they still didn't do that well. Well, they also scored how many scored against Iowa state that year. I'm not, again, you're not throwing these out, but they scored a lot of points against Iowa state that year. So they essentially had two high-scoring games, and then they averaged like 19 points a game the rest of the season. Yeah, they scored in the 40s against well, Iowa State that year. That was that was uh, Nate Stanley's first road game. Anyways, so uh, we're not throwing those numbers out. Those are a factor, but you have to acknowledge the fact that it, it's a really incomplete statistic when you factor in the fact that you have defensive scores, special team scores, and points per game. You have to balance points per game. Anybody that besides Kirk, anybody that I've talked to with an offensive or, or hurt him, Chuck Long's an example. I brought him up on a number of occasions. Obviously, Don Patterson, you have to weigh points per game, points per play, uh, yards per game. Those are all valid statistics, and you can't just look at one that is convenient. And that's what I was doing there, saying, well, this is the most favorable stat for us to look at. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, why why is it favorable? Because it, it takes – accountability away from the person who is probably there in the first place because he is Kirk Ferentz's son. Well, and I think it's interesting too, that like, if I mean, when you have an offense that's that bad, you do have to cherry pick stats a little bit to make it look somewhat reasonable. And of the stat that they cherry picked, they're not, they're in the top 40, which is hardly, you know, tearing up the country, but top 40 is all right, but they're hardly in the top 40 at all in the, in the stat that you cherry pick to make yourself look good. Like, that's I don't know. And if, if you can't cherry pick a stat better than 39th in the country, it's not good enough. That's exactly what they're. That's exactly. It's the best metric they have to support their cause, support their argument. So that's what they're going to use. But if you look, you know, minus the Hawkinson Fant uh, year, what 2018, where they apparently they were really good in the red zone. Red zone efficiency these last couple of years has been absolutely awful. Yards per play has been bad. Yards per game has been bad. Points per game has been bad. I mean, you go down the list, it's all been bad. And honestly, two years is a pretty decent sample size in and of itself. Um, but it doesn't even sound like, I mean, that wasn't even the argument from Kirk today. It's not like he said, well, two years is not long enough. We need to give Brian another year. No, he's just saying we're okay with how he's performing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. the players, right? It's the players. They're the reason why we have, I mean, that's just, 
and I, I, you, you heard me, Kyle. You probably heard Mark and I talking about this Tuesday. We said this is going to happen. We said this is yeah. probably what Kirk's going to do. He's going to blame personnel. I can't believe. I can't believe it. But it, part of me can't believe that that theory was right. He blamed personnel, and that's just unfortunate because I think it it painted the wrong picture. I don't know if Kirk intended to do that, but it appeared to me that he was throwing players under the bus, and I just. I just don't yeah. think that's a Kirk Ferentz thing to do. And I think it's a desperation move because who else, what else do you blame at this point? I, yeah, I didn't get that. And that, that, that point keeps getting brought up about like the offensive line and all the stuff, all the struggles they had and all the bad plays they made. And it's like, man, like, and I, I know it's completely different, but like if I'm a swing coach in golf and my, my player has a terrible swing, like, and I've been coaching him for four years, does that land completely on them or does that land on me? Like at a, at a certain point that lands on me as a coach. Right. right. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It's that whole press conference and some of the, some of the stuff that was thought to be logic by them was, that just blew my mind. Yeah. And uh, so what's ironic. So the, is this stat correct? Thomas uh, commented earlier. He said, uh, let's see, 40th at 32 points per game in 2020, 99th last year so he's not talking about 2022 but 2021 99th and then what were the what was the number for 2022 points per game uh so they were 94th uh in 2021 at 23.4 it was 94th and then uh, this yeah it was 94th and then this year it was 117th at 18.6 yeah and by the way to, to this commenter i saw this earlier he hopes all of us negative, miserable sobs have to eat crow. I, I, I've said it so many times. I don't want this team to fail. I hope I do eat crow. I hope that we're all wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not acknowledging that they're not going to be better. I've said that. How many times have I said that now? They're going to yeah. be better on offense. But the ceiling yeah. on the program remains intact as long as there's not a change. So that's that's my stance. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I hope we're – I mean, I hope we're on a season wrap-up live stream next year talking about a big 10 championship but i just i don't i don't see it next year when if we have the same staff regardless of well, I, I see them at least making the championship game and you know anything yeah. can happen in a championship game but you're I, not yeah. going to vegas and putting money on them no no uh and circle herc he says uh uh, if winning, uh, let's see, if winning matters isn't a good enough excuse, what is? How about how many spots does Brian Ferentz offense need to move up before it's considered successful? Again, are we looking at total offense or what, what are we looking at? You know, now now there's this big debate about what the perfect metric is. Um, you know, I, I think collectively those numbers need to average out to probably being top 50 to say he's doing a good job. If he's top 75, Maybe you could argue, okay, he's good enough, and they can probably compete yeah. for titles that way. Um, again, I'm talking collectively, not just points per game. Top hundred ain't good enough. I think they'll be top hundred, by the way. I think they'll probably, oh, I think they'll be in the nine. I guess like right now, as of personnel right now, probably in the nineties. Yeah, I could see them being in the nineties somewhere, and I'm talking even maybe in total offense. But mm-hmm. ultimately, um, I, I just don't buy into the, the personnel argument. So. Yeah, and they, I mean, and it, talking about those points per game number two, I mean, they only allowed 14 this year. And if you take away the points that the defense and special teams uh, scored, then your differential that the offense needed to score to break even was 11 and a half points a game. Like, yeah. so they scored 18.6, including defense and whatever, but they're, 
the offense, if the offense scored 11 and a half points a game on average, you would expect something around a six and six season. So like they, it just shows you how much they can get away with If That's all they need. I mean, they, based on that metric, they probably only need an average of like, I don't know, 16 to 18 offensive points a game to go nine and to have nine wins, maybe something like that. What happens if Cade McNamara enters the, well, he, he can't enter the portal. Uh, I guess I don't know how that works. So he's, he's, I guess he could enter the portal after spring. What if he enters the portal after spring? <laughs> if we go four and eight. Well, what, I, yeah, I mean, what, what's the reaction from the fans? What's the reaction from Iowa? If that were to happen, I, that won't I, happen. Can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I, he's, he's not going to do that. He's not, well, he's not walking away from that amount of money, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of money, here's another thing that I thought would, you'd find interesting. If you go back in the Iowa State uh, salary records, they show like it shows all the assistant coaches pay year by year. So everybody can go and see it. Uh, as of two years ago, Brian Ferentz was getting paid more than Phil Parker. Brian Ferentz was getting paid $860,000 in two, uh, 2020. And Phil Parker got paid $101,000 in 2020 of salary. You're sure on that. You're, you're sure on that. I, I just went back and looked at it and I could not believe my eyes. And the thing about that is not only is Phil Parker more successful, but he's been the DC since 2012 and Brian Ferentz has been the OC since 2017. So it's not like it was a longer, you know, right. it wasn't a tenure thing. It's not like he built up salary because of years of experience. It was I, why I don't understand that. Why is that? Now that again, he got, a, he got a contract uh, boost. Phil Parker did. And Brian Ferentz really didn't. I mean, he got a little bit, but so he, it's, saying- Across the country, offensive coordinators typically make more than their counterpart. Would be my guess. Yeah, probably. But again, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That's comical. But they he's also, uh, the, he's also been on the staff forever. He's not just been the OC since 2012. He's been on the staff forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Both of them. Both of them have been on staff for a while. But um, the, I saw the other thing I saw about the salary that was funny was um, about this year was. I think there was an article in the athletic or something, or one of the, one of the outlets that said, uh, I can't, I don't know if this is at the end of the season or if it was like two thirds of the way through the season, but I copied and pasted this paragraph for you. Um, it was, I think it was maybe eight or nine games into the season. He said, uh, based on the amount of money that Brian Ferentz has been paid for this section of the season, uh, that amount comes out to over $64,000 per offensive touchdown, uh, $5,000 per first down, Two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars per passing touchdown, <laughs> <laughs> ninety ninety thousand per rushing touchdown, three hundred dollars a yard, and twelve hundred to play. So your your reaction to how we're spending our money? Wonderful spending. Whoever are whoever the accountant and uh, the uh, money management people are, they need to they need to raise themselves. So uh, I. I just uh, I hope that number gets back to the donors and all of the great people of Iowa that place pay state taxes that go into this stuff because that's uh, I I don't well, know I if that was my the situation at Iowa is somewhat fragile if somehow Phil Parker retired tomorrow or if Cade McNamara entered the portal after spring or if Lavar Woods left for a job somewhere else tomorrow there would be people in full panic mode. With Iowa oh, yeah. football, and I think rightfully so. Rightfully that, that's how so. fragile the situation is, given the inadequacies with the offensive staff. Yeah. What um, What do you think it would take next year if 
Phil Parker stays, Kate McNamara stays. What type of performance do you think it takes to get to that level of panic without like losing any of those people? Like how bad do they have to be offensively for it to get to that level of panic? If they're well, again, what metric are we using? If you're just looking at total offense, I think if you're not top hundred with Cade and with the upgrades, I mean, honestly, I, I think you got to be top seventy-five. I, I don't I think just, it's yeah. top hundred, even top seventy-five. Hey, that's not great. I, I was going to say if like if we take out the the expectations for Iowa and the past of Iowa, I would say minimum top fifty. Like if I if I didn't know anything about Iowa in the past and about Brian, I would say you got Cade, you got Eric All in the portal, you got a couple good O linemen. I'd say top yeah. fifty, but I agree. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I just until they win five or six games in a season, nothing's going to happen. Can you, real quick before you go, Kyle? Can you read the the username and the comment here? <laughs> Furry gotcha kitty girl forever it says Thank Phil you. Parker needs a race. Did <laughs> you read that? And now you can go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. Appreciate you, Kyle. Thank yeah, you, sir. Have, have a good one. All right, let's. Uh, we're we're ra- about ready to wrap this up uh, in a minute. We got James as our, I think, our last caller of the night. Again, if you're interested in donating to the channel, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, you can donate by credit card by means of PayPal. I've been on here for three and a half hours, so any of the donations, they're all appreciated. We've had some, plenty of uh, super chats today. Appreciate that, but you can donate by means of any of that, and of course, you can sponsor the channel by emailing me from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. All one word from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. Steve, wonder uh, if Carson May uh, went to the portal because he never got in the bowl game. Did he find a new home yet? He's going to Coffeeville Community College, which is a power at that level. But my guess is that's a stepping stone somewhere else. I wouldn't be surprised if another major program said, hey, we want you to be here a year. We don't have scholarships, but if you can perform admirably here, we'll take you next year. That would be my guess. Just speculating. Scott says, uh, what lawsuit? Well, the lawsuit that Brian Ferentz is named in, the racial discrimination lawsuit from 2020. That's still pending. Alan says, should they have hired Gaddis? Well, it, you know, Gaddis's uh, morals might be in question. There are rumors that uh, he was involved in some finagling, some uh, immoral activity at Michigan. If that's the case, maybe not. But uh, there were there are plenty of potential candidates out there. Eric says, hypothetical, do you take Kirk at head coach with Brian as OC, as, at OC or do you take Brian at head coach with Bud Meyer at OC, um, I would take the first. Um, Brian as the head coach would be the end of everything. <laughs> and by the way, John Bud Meyer doesn't have some great resume. He may be a great guy, maybe a great coach. He coached for one year as the OC at Colorado State, was a quarterback's coach at Wisconsin prior. Uh, I'd still take Kirk as the head coach. Hawkeye fan, what never gets addressed in your show is how Iowa – will get the recruits necessary to play in the playoff. The only programs that have better records are the top 15 recruiting classes. Then recruit better. I don't buy into the narrative that Iowa can't have top 15 recruiting classes. I don't. Some people believe that. I think that's a defeatist attitude, but I, I just don't buy into it. I, I think I think we have a defeatist attitude as it relates to recruiting. Go Hawks, says Corey. What are your thoughts on why Kirk doesn't go for five-star recruits? What I just said, defeatist attitude as it relates to recruiting. Now, he does go after some, Proctor being one, yeah, Xavier Wampa was a four slash five star kid. Um, I think it's having a defeatist attitude, frankly. Uh, and, and you know, I, I know that they feel like they're wasting their time on guys who aren't going to come here. But I be, I believe that's a, a having a defeatist attitude. 
Lucas says, uh, I could perhaps join the conversation. This was a long time ago. Uh, Lucas, I was you were in the queue, I'm sure, so you would have gotten on if you hung tight. Take the calls in order as they come. Brian says, do we have any rumors about Nick Jackson, the Virginia linebacker that visited Iowa this past weekend? I would expect to hear from him within days. It's down to Iowa and Oklahoma, reportedly. So we'll see on, on Nick Jackson. They could use him. Eric, does McNamara stay past next year if he is uh, if he is reined in and stifled by all the coaches all year? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what the NFL scouts think of him in a year. Um, but that's a good question. Don't know. He could go back in the portal if he, if he chose to. But, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know. Uh, and I don't know exactly how that works. He's a graduate transfer now. But, well, is he a graduate? Tra- I guess he's not. I guess he hasn't graduated. He's only been at Michigan, what, two, three, three years? I don't think he's graduated. So he, he could be a grad transfer, potentially. So great question. Paula. Just join. You may have already discussed this, but why would an NFL team want Brian with an, a lawsuit hanging over his head? Who wants that sort of bad press? Maybe that is the real reason there is no change. That's a you're not you're probably not wrong, Paula. Um, I think efforts have been there for Brian to leave, but if he can't get hired, Kirk's not willing to fire him or do anything different, then he's stuck here, and that's a sad situation. DC Hawkeye, remember last fall when they were three and four, you said that you weren't wishing them to lose more, but losing was the only way to lose Brian. You were right. All right, folks. Well, it's been a fun few hours. Thank you all for being here. And if I missed your your show or your show, man, it's been a long it's been a long show. Three and a half hour show. I got to wind down. I got other stuff I got to get done. Folks, there are things bigger than football and I'm going to be here regardless. So stay with it and uh, we'll keep plugging along. Let's get to our final caller of the night and then we're going to say sayonara for the evening. And we'll see everybody for Iowa postgame with Coach Gary Close on Saturday. And, of course, continuous coverage moving forward. James, welcome to the show. Sorry, I would have been earlier, but we had practice for my 430 to 630, so I was kind of busy. But, um, I listened to the press conference before I left my house, and I was like, I texted you, and it was really frustrating me because, like, it was frustrating. The fact that, like, he just bringing up, like, and you might have already talked about this, but like the numbers where he's like, first off, he brought up 24 points per game. We didn't even get 24 points per game last year. So where do you get that number from? I have no idea. And I was so confused. I was like, bro, why are you talking about 24 points per game when we didn't even score that on average? What are you talking, he's talking about? about? He's talking about their record when they do score 24 points per game. Yeah, but we didn't, didn't get that at all last year. So why is we didn't average that last year? So why is that number relevant? You get my uh, point? <laughs> Yeah, I kind of do. Uh, yeah. Like, like, why is that number relevant if we didn't get there? We didn't average that at all last year. I don't understand how the number was relevant. <laughs> yeah. And then he kept- oh yeah, Tink, thank you. Yeah, he is a grad transfer. I'm sorry, you're right, Taylor. Okay. Thank you. He and, is a grad transfer. Anyways, go ahead, James. And then he kept bringing up the fact that like what he did the year like in the middle of the season was like we won ten games last year. We won ten games last year. We won ten games last year. He kept saying that it's like that's not the answer we want. We just want improvement. Like this team could compete for higher. They could win Big Ten championships if you guys will focus on trying to make the offense better. But I don't feel like that's their focus. And like no. you were talking about earlier, when you're saying he was putting players down, that's why players have transferred. Deuce Hogan. That's why some players, you're right. That's, Perry a Roberts. that's why they've all transferred because they feel put down by a coach. And yes, he does stick up for some guys, but they feel put down by him. So that's why some of them transfer because they feel like they're blaming them and not the coaching staff when the coaching staff is not helping them be what they need to be. But yeah, he's blaming the players instead of the coaches. 
you're you're bringing you're bringing substance you're bringing dynamite james i I can't argue with what you're saying yeah and i just feel like we'll see obviously i feel like Cade committed here knowing brian fans is gonna be the oc do i think that yeah uh, I, I, no, I don't. I, I, I'm don't. guessing they didn't. No, I'm guessing <clears throat> I could be wrong on this, but if if there was no promise made to him that Brian's moving on, and I said earlier in the show, James, there's always a chance Brian still gets hired in a week. Yeah, I, I heard you talking about that like when I was in my car and I was listening to it. But I was just saying, like, if he, even if he knows that there's a chance he could stay, he's still committed knowing there's a chance he could Correct. stay. Correct. Yeah. So, like, he knew this possibility. I, I think that's true. And the the money talks sometimes i think that's probably what happened but i think he was probably told we may have a change here we're going to make major changes but i I think that dollar amount spoke to uh cade mcnamara why else would he come here other than he's going to be a starter immediately and he's getting paid i agree and you talk about recruiting how we don't recruit five stars there is some we do go after some five stars but i feel like i looked at something where it's like I don't know if you've seen this, the fiscal year where basketball spent more on recruiting than football. And I feel like that's because Fran is willing to, yes, he might not get the five guys, but he's willing to go after them. He's willing to spend to try to get them. Yeah. When Kirk yeah. doesn't spend the money to try to get them, he just stands pat. That's why they spent so much more because they're, Fran's at least willing to try to go get his people. Even if he doesn't get them, he's still willing to try. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I've said that for a long time. I, I, that's what I appreciate about Fran. I know that he's not perfect. He's got his issues with defense. Yeah, I know it's ain't basketball, but I was just bringing that up as like a measuring point for what I was trying to say on the re- recruiting end of it. But yeah, do you, you're right. Do you think there'll be improved? I mean, I think there'll be improvement next year. I feel like they got better, some better players, and the fact that like I think Cade's better than any quarterback we've had since probably. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be substantially better, but. I mean, substantially better. I mean, going to, the can't get much worse. Did, going to the portal and doing what they did was something that needed to happen, but there's also a couple other things that need to happen yeah. that apparently are not happening. So One more one more big question I kind of had, too, when I was thinking about it. I was listening to Tyler Barnes speak, and he was talking about connections. To me, I don't know if any other program is this way. They might be. I don't follow any other program. Right? I'm Iowa's running through, so I don't follow any other program, right? But he brought up, like, the Dejon Parker connection with Kayvon Merriweather. The... K McNamara connection with his with his brother being uh, recruited by him. The uh, Rudy Feth with George Barnett being his coach. Do you think Iowa leans too much on that when going to the portal? Like they don't try to look for somebody; they try to look at the guys they got connections. So I'm not saying they're good fits, but I feel like sometimes they just look at too many connections and not. Oh well, they, we just have a connection with them. Not that oh they might help they might help us. It's just oh we got the connection. Right. Yeah, you could be right. I think there's maybe some truth to that. Um, Iowa does tend to navigate towards guys from lower levels because they feel they have a better chance with them and guys they have connections to. So maybe, I mean, why not go after some guys that they have no connections to but are qualified to help the cause? I think that's a fair point. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see, and obviously I hope we do better. But remember, me and you did talk about this last year at the point where we said the only way Brown was going to be gone. He, the other guy said the only way Brown was going to be gone if, was if we lost, and I think we were right. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, we've said that. I mean, it, it, we exactly yeah. right. They won yeah. enough games to defend it. Yep, and I knew that was gonna happen. I knew that was gonna happen. And also, one more thing, I found it was funny too. Like 
when they asked him a Brian question, he was just so avoiding it. He wasn't even answering the question. He was just rattling off numbers that like came out of the atmosphere. He just like picked them out of the sky. Like, oh, I'm gonna bring up this number. I'm gonna bring up that number that weren't even relevant to the thing. He was just saying words just to say words. And I'm like, Kirk, this is not a good look. You're not even defending your son, your son or anything. You're just saying gibberish. Like you're not saying anything. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Yes. But all right. When does basketball play? Is it Saturday or Sunday? Saturday, Saturday, one thirty on Fox. We got Iowa women on Thursday. Well, well, enjoy your night, and uh, I know it's been a long night for you, so get some rest, and I'll see you on Saturday. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. All right, folks. Few reminders before we go. Thank you all for being here, and again, please hit the like button on your way out. Hit that thumbs up. Please subscribe. If you're interested in sponsoring the channel, reach out to me, email me from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. That's from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. Donate to the channel by means of Venmo, Cash App, PayPal in the links below. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter at from the Hawkeye. Also, at from the Hawkeye on Instagram, from the Hawkeye of the Storm on Facebook. Please share this show out on social media. If you've enjoyed the content, others will as well. You can become a premium subscriber. By clicking the join button next to the channel name here on YouTube. Shop Amazon with us. We've got a link. That's another way you can support the show. Click on the Amazon affiliate link and shop. Do your shopping and we'll get a small portion of the proceeds. And of course, you can also check out our merch from the Hawkeye of the Storm merch. Click on the link in the description below. We'll be back for continuous coverage, folks. Uh, Thank you all for being here for the last three to four hours. And, uh, of course, check our uh, almost daily. We won't have daily content. We're heading into the offseason. Of course, we've got basketball. But as we're in the offseason of the football, no guarantee we're going to get content on a daily. But I would say at least weekly content we're going to continue to have here. And if there's breaking news, we'll be here to talk about it live. And we've got Iowa Post Game with Coach Gary Close. Awesome show, folks. Love having Coach Close on the show. We'll have that following Iowa, Illinois. Big game Saturday will begin at 1.30 p.m. Central Time on Fox. We'll talk to you after Iowa and Illinois. Go Hawks tomorrow. The women taking down, hopefully taking down the Hoosiers of Indiana. Hopefully better times ahead for football as well as it relates to the offense. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Have a great night.